This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The media wants to tell you that there is no freedom flu, that people are just blindly accepting vaccine mandates, but that's not true. We now know that there is a large portion of the Chicago Police Department that is not vaccinated and that are threatening to take leave or just defy the COVID mandate. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has now said that the Chicago Police FOP president, that's the union, is attempting to induce an insurrection. I love their choice of words. We know why they're using that word. Why? Because they want to rule by decree. Meanwhile, in Portland, Antifa's caused a half a million dollars in damage and smashed everything up. San Francisco is crime ridden and Walgreens is shutting down more stores. And Joe Biden is flouting the rules and choosing not to wear a mask in D.C. where they have a mask mandate. So please tell me about your induced insurrections again. Well, we'll get into all this stuff. We have an awesome guest tonight. Sean Spicer is hanging out. How's it going, man? It's awesome. Thanks for having me. This is uh, quite an honor. Well, thanks for coming. I feel the same way. All right. Well, it's it's nice to get outside of the city. So uh, I'm assuming everyone knows who you are, but who are you, for those that might not know? Uh, I was a regular guy that worked in politics for a long time, and then uh, Donald Trump announced I was going to be the White House press secretary, and uh, my life changed forever. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the last few years have been yeah, quite different. I did a season on Dancing with the Stars and showed that anyone who, <laughs> who has no rhythm and no artistic ability can actually get a bunch of votes and... And, I uh, saw people in media get so mad about that. Oh, they so hated weird. it. They, yeah. <laughs> that's what made it half the fun. How dare you humanize I know. people? Well, first of all, I hate that phrase. I mean, like people were like, you're humanizing them. I'm like, I'm a human. You may not <laughs> like me. And that made me, but, but this idea of like talking about humanizing people, uh, right. it's sort of, it's, it's something that came into being during the Trump administration where there was like this assumption that we were aliens. And that we needed to be humanized after we left, like there was some kind of process by which we went into a machine and came out the other end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dancing helped make everyone realize that's a guy. That's a person. Well, yeah. and he's actually not, you know, nuts that <laughs> right. the, the way that the CNN and the Washington Post wanted you to believe. Well, I think this will be interesting because, you know, one of the stories you have when I mentioned Joe Biden flouting the rules, it's Jen Psaki defending the breaking of the rules. And so it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to talk to you about you yeah. know her role and the media's role. So we'll get into all that stuff. We also got Luke. Hey, uh, at least the costumes were great. Uh, I thought that, <laughs> that was definitely yeah. something. But uh, hey, guys, my name is Luke Odeski of WeAreChange.org. And I still remember the first time that I came back on this show recently. One of the first things that I said is that you can't comply your way out of tyranny. And then I was like, damn, that, that can make a really good T-shirt. <laughs> so I made it. This is the T-shirt. It finally came in in the mail. And you could get yours exclusively on TheBestPoliticalShirts.com. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this very interesting conversation. Me too, man. I'm glad you're here, Sean. I've been trying to get in the head of Saki for a while. Oh, so don't go there. You can help, Ian, help stay me out. Help stay me, out man. You don't want to be there. So I want to humanize her as well because I think that job might make people seem oddly robotic because, like you said, you're just kind of a mouthpiece. You're not really saying your mind. You're just right. doing a, a, a. Well, you're you're there to to speak on behalf of somebody who's not able to do it themselves for a variety of reasons and. Uh, you know, the the issue that I have isn't necessarily with Jen, although there's some things that she said or done that I, I've taken issue with, but it's it's a complicit press corps that sits there every day and nods their head and says, thank you, Jen. I will now write this and 
push it out to everybody. There's no pushback. Um, there's no attempt to talk about the hypocrisy, the double standards that go on in there, or or just drill further down in some of the policies. They take what she says and and at as you know, gospel, as gospel, Smile and they go nod. from there. And I think that's that's a that's actually bad for democracy. For all the talk about the Washington Post saying democracy dies in darkness, huh. when Trump came in, the reality is democracy dies when you're not able to question things, when you're not able to ask, you know, question authority, talk back, dissent. All of those things are part of the fabric of our country. And yet, the further and further we go, the less and less we allow dissenting voices. Uh, People to question authority, to, to even and not even question authority in a, in a bad sense, but just ask, I don't get it. Explain this, or that seems to be a double standard. Mm-hmm. Yep, not permitted. We'll definitely we'll dive into all this stuff. That's right. Yeah, I'm stoked to have um, Sean tonight, especially with everything Jen Saki is talking about. And it was occurring to me earlier today how much science is like democracy, in that you have to be able to question what is going on, otherwise it's not fully functional. This is why freedom of speech is so valuable. So super stoked Thank to talk you. to someone who is actually a spokesman for a president. So it's I, actually, fun. I want to point out real quick as well the the photo behind Lydia, yes, of Joe Biden, that uh, Jessica. Who uh, she does the art uh, here at Timcast made, and it's amazingly creepy. Ian was like, "I don't want that. <laughs> I don't photo. want Biden behind me, you guys. I want the beautiful I landscape." So I got Jessica's other amazing <laughs> piece of so art. Cool too. I like and that. also, this was sent to me in the mail. I just opened up on the Cast Castle vlog. I don't know if it's gone That's live cool. yet. This is a piece of sacred geometry. We, like we cool. got a lot of very interesting mail. Yeah, cool uh, you guys will see. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, all right. right. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk news. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member. There's going to be a members-only segment coming up around 11 or so p.m. tonight is when we, we publish it. And as a member, you get an ad-free experience. You're supporting our journalists and helping make this uh, show work. So also, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this show right now. Take that URL, post it wherever you can. If everybody watching shared this, we'd be bigger than CNN overnight. But now let's get into that uh, that news. We got the story from Real Clear Politics. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, FOP president, is attempting to induce an insurrection by opposing vaccine mandate. I just love that line. She said, we believe that the fraternal order of police leadership is trying to foment an illegal work stoppage or strike. She said, we are not having that. The contract is clear. The police unions are not authorized to strike. What we've seen from the fraternal order of police leadership is a lot of misinformation and frankly, flat out lies in order to induce an insurrection. What? And we're not having that. The law is on our side. We feel very confident about it. Urging members of the department to ignore the chain of command. Let me be clear. John Catanzaro has destroyed his police career, destroyed it. He is not fit, and he is never going to go back in any kind of active position. I don't want him to lend to, to lead these young officers astray and have them destroy their careers like he has destroyed his. I just love the idea of an executive issuing an order by decree, and then when someone says, I object, that's an insurrection. Well, that's what we get. Did you guys see in Seattle, the cops have started flying the Gadsden flags? Yeah, I saw yeah. that. It's nice. become a thing now. And the Southwest Airlines mm-hmm. uh, as well, posting a lot of photos of the Gadsden flags inside of uh, the airplanes there. But but this is nothing new from Lori Lightfoot. I mean, I, I am seeing a lot of comments uh, talk about uh, Beetlejuice in the comment section. Just for <laughs> clarification, uh, I think it's important to bring up some of these facts. But this is the same mayor that we have to understand uh, just a couple of months ago, during the middle of, of the whole COVID crisis, when she was telling everyone to stay home, we need to lock down, we need to punish people, she was walking the streets being like, go home right now. She also went out there and defied her own decrees and went and got a haircut and then told everyone, well, 
I need a haircut. I'm out in the public eye, and it's important for me to flaunt these rules that I made up that you have to obey. You know what I think? Just, just real quick. I think the funny thing is they wanted to defund the cops. Mm-hmm. So all these guys are saying, hey, we're not going to come to work. This is to, this should be the easiest solution. She should be in favor of this. Great. Yeah. We wanted to defund you anyway. But it's funny. Once they say we're not coming to work, now it's you guys are an insurrection. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Either you defund them and you don't want them to show up and you don't like them. But suddenly now it's I care about them and I can't believe they're not showing up for work. This is why I refer to the establishment. It's mostly the Democrats in the media as the cult because it doesn't matter what their position was. It just matters what right. the whim is today. Before it was like the police are bad. Okay, everybody, I agree with whatever you've said for whatever reason. Defund the police. Now all of a sudden the cops are like, we're going to walk. And they're like, no, no, you can't leave. That's an insurrection. There's no real principle behind what they do. No. It's just no. fall in line behind the establishment, behind those in charge. But to, but to elaborate on the Lori Lightfoot thing that Luke mentioned, Lori Lightfoot literally just posted this yesterday at 524 p.m. It's an image of her violating Chicago's max, mask mandates. So, you know, you, you, you ask, who's, who's doing the insurrection? The people who are breaking the laws of this country, violating the Constitution, trying to rule by decree, not even following their own rules? I don't think well, it's the, the president himself and, and, and Joe Biden were out to dinner this weekend in yep. Georgetown, a very expensive restaurant, and they get filmed with that. The, the, they wonder why people... Don't take them seriously. Don't take them seriously, <laughs> but it's over and over again. And what is Jen Psaki? I mean, these guys just go... Every time they get caught, it's come on, seriously, don't you know that's not a big deal. Gavin Newsom at French Laundry, all of these politicians, one after another on the Democratic side, get caught not obeying the mandates and the restrictions that they send for everybody else. DC's mayor, Eleanor Hornips Norton, same thing, goes to a wedding. But it's everybody else should follow this, and then they wonder why people don't believe and trust in them anymore it's because of this yeah and i i I just kind of want to add to this point because when we look at chicago i think it's fair to argue that it's already a mess more young people die in chicago from gang shootings than covid Mm -hmm. um and and we have to understand the the chicago police chief uh, uh union the president of the police uh, union in Chicago is standing up and saying that almost 3,000 officers are going to defy a lot of these mandates, one third of the entire Chicago Police Department. If that happens, I, I think it's fair to say there's going to be going to be far greater implications in Chicago than we could even uh, uh, expect People to are understand. Die. Yeah. You think about it, you got cops, healthcare workers, teachers, airline pilots, the list goes on and on of all these professions that are saying, if you force me to do something against my will, military members, at what point is that tipping point where society then really deals with the consequences of this, right? I, you I, think about all these professions that we need who are pushing back. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I don't think it's about the vaccines. I think it's about purging uh, institutions of authority. So the cops that are putting up the Gadsden flags, defying the orders and quitting are the ones who clearly have an issue with mm-hmm. mandated medical procedures. Yeah. But the, pe- the cops who remain are going to be like, whatever. This I, I agree with you. I don't think this has to do with getting a vaccine or not. 
at the, at the core of it. This has to do with government telling you to do something. And I, and I think this has been bungled from the beginning. Every day that Dr. Fauci's out there is a day that creates further tension and further confusion. The end of the day, if you like Dr. Fauci, you've got vaccinated like five months ago. Hmm. There's right. nobody out there right now that's saying, oh, wait a second, Dr. Fauci's on the air. Let me listen to what he has to say to Rachel Maddow. You know what? <laughs> it's a good point. He said there, Rachel, if you haven't been vaccinated, do it now. Get four jabs and two masks. That's, that's, no one is waiting for Fauci at this point. You, right. you bought in a long time ago. All they're doing now, and, and this weekend, Fauci goes on the Sunday shows, and when he gets asked about criticism of himself, mm-hmm. he says, if you criticize me, you're like a conspiracy theorist. The same guy, by the way, just so we're clear, one of the quotes that he gave out this weekend is that it's probably likely that J&J should have been a second dose, mm-hmm. right? No, think about this. Two words that don't normally go with science. Probably and should. Mm-hmm. It's either yes or no. It's either the data shows or not. But Fauci's out there going, probably should have been two. That doesn't invoke confidence in the system when the head guy is saying, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Now, they, Fauci, Fauci didn't just call people conspiracy theorists that didn't like him. They said that these people are denying reality. And he said, quote, sometimes the truth becomes inconvenient for some people. So they react against me. That's just yeah. is what it is. I mean, that's a delusional kind of thinking. We're talking about megalomania here with, with someone who loves to see his own face on national television. And, and this is a sycophantic individual that should never be taken seriously, in my opinion. I think it's, uh, let me see if I can try and find this. Oh, yeah, where he's in his study with his picture of himself. And the candle. He has a candle of himself. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, oh, in, oh the, in his back. I backdrop. might do something like that. That if sounds I have exciting. One. <laughs> yeah, candle I got to be honest. Yeah, exactly, that, exactly. That, do you, you want know, Ian running national you. health policy? No, you That's don't. Right, Look, you don't. <laughs> where's, where, we got to get the, the, a nice sketch of Tim behind Here Tim. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we go. A candle of Tim looking at So here's the photo. Snap, it's from the Dr. Fauci in his work. It workplaces office with a portrait of himself. But I would do it as a oh joke. That's yeah. a little extreme. To yeah. be fair, we do have a big Tim cast on the wall, but someone sent us that. So That's it was artwork well. from, yeah. from, you know, but it's not just that. He has pillows. He has candles of himself. Oh he literally gosh. has to go on the mainstream media that loves and adores him. He never goes on the media that questions oh, him. No, he no, never no. goes on the media that dares to ask him a legitimate hard question. He never dares to go after opposition voices. And if he was really caring about people's health, he would address the hard but Questions. We literally yeah. at one point on on my show on Newsmax had him had a had a Fauci watch, and we asked him for something like seventy something days, and we finally gave up because it got silly. But at the end <laughs> of the day, he hasn't gone on anything alternative. If the if the theory, which the data does not actually support, is that conservatives and Trump supporters, et cetera, are the ones that are the big hesitant folks about this, then why wouldn't you go to where they are and have a conversation and say, okay, I'll take yeah. some questions. But that's A, the data doesn't suggest that, number one. Number two is because he doesn't want pushback. Anytime someone questions anything, he gets so red. Watch Rand Paul question him the next time. I think he, I think Sanjay Gupta is a good example of why he won't. Right. Because Joe Rogan didn't let that slide. Biden wouldn't either. He, he like hid in his basement during the uh, election cycle last time. He just didn't want to get caught the truth, with his pants The, the down. truth is not the friends of these people, right? So, mm-hmm. so to bring it back to Chicago, we also have – I think the NYPD – the uh, f- fire department in New York, CPD, we've got nurses, doctors. I'm not going to say that it's the majority. I think in Chicago, it's a substantial amount. I think they said something like 59% of cops are vaccinated. So you've got 41% that aren't, which means mm. 
That's seriously bad for a city like Chicago, which has very serious gun problems. But there's a large portion. There was, I think in New York, it was between 11 and 6% of the police were like outright refusing. That may seem like a small percentage, but in a city that big, that could mean crippling an entire neighborhood or borough or, or the, the, the highways. Who knows? Sure. So you, you, you have these people outright defying the, the, these, uh, these mandates. I kind of feel like, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I don't know if it will be enough. I feel like a lot of these cops are going to, are using this to negotiate their contracts. Ultimately, it's not going to be enough to actually put a dent in this. And then not to be pessimistic, but what, in two, three years, we have social credit system? But the problem is you can't replace the cops, right? So if 6% of the cops call it just five, five for argument's sake, say we're walking off the job because of this vaccine mandate, that's a, to your point, in a place like New York or Chicago, a big city, that's a, that's several neighborhoods that suddenly don't have police covering them. There's not a crop behind them, especially in the whole defund the police movement of officers that are waiting to take these jobs. We have demonized police officers to such a degree that they're having a tough time recruiting these individuals. So you lose that percentage. Yeah. And to your point about Chicago, crime goes back up. I mean, I mean, just a few months ago, I mean, who wanted to be a cop? <laughs> no right. one, especially with the demonization, especially with everything that happened with Black Lives Matter. And I think a lot of these mandates don't have to do anything about health. I think a lot of them are loyalty tests. And that's why a lot of officers who are not going along with the programming, not going along with the conditioning, not going along with the agenda, they're being purged. And we're seeing a lot of videos. I, I, I played a couple of videos today on my uh, channel, specifically of police officers resigning, calling in as they're still in uniform in their police car. There's it a bunch is. of those videos going around as well. One of them saying some very choice words for the uh, <laughs> <Governor>. <laughs> for the governor yeah. <laughs> of uh, Washington uh, that is. are pretty. Uh, it must be a cold good. day in hell when mm. you convince Luke Rudkowski to actually stand up for the cops. No, I'm not. Who said I'm standing up for the cops? I'm just calling a spade a spade here and talking about the facts here that, that's that the, no that's one wants to be a police that's, officer because the they don't. That's the point. Yeah. Like even saying that is still like telling the truth about what's going on with these officers. Yeah. I'm not that, here to pick sides. I'm here to call out the bullcrap. There's a lot of bullcrap, but we we got to be honest with the situation that we're dealing with. You don't have to be political yeah. to say something like these cops are being demonized and they're 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 coming after them in unjust ways. That doesn't mean I'm like a fan of every single cop or every department. It's just the reality is like, like I just said, I'm not, I'm not convinced the cops are going to stick this one out. I think they'll negotiate their contracts, get some special privileges, and then probably be like, okay, fine, whatever. But yeah. I do think a lot of the cops will quit because I think this is, a, this is a hard line a lot of people just can't cross physically. I thought about this. Like if someone came to you and said you have to undergo this and you're just like, dude, I, I, can't, I can't cross that line. I, yeah. I, I will not be, be, be forced to do these things. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised actually that, that with, with all that it takes right now, I mean, I, I'm not – in any way advocating this, but I'm just saying that it's funny that like people walk in all the time and say, hey, you know, are you, are you vaccinated or not? The people who aren't actually are taking a stand because if you wanted to just fake it, you can't. Right. I mean, let's fake it very in, easily in a world yeah. like that we live in today. It's not hard to fake something documentation wise or otherwise, but yet the people who are doing this truly, I think, believe it and, and are, and are saying I'm willing to go down. I think it's a private medical decision, and if people want to talk to their doctors about what makes for them, but you know, can I just not to business. get off on a tangent? But what other medical thing could you possibly imagine somebody walking into a group of friends or a work environment and saying, "Hey, did you get the uh, such and such, or are you taking this pill, or did you have this procedure?" There is no other right. thing that could possibly happen. Where this should be acceptable. There's, there's actually a great meme where someone said that they immediately went to their boss 
and said, if you are taking responsibility for COVID, I demand to know the status of every employee's medical history, including when they've had the flu, if they're pregnant, if they have HIV, because certainly we should take those into consideration in the workplace if you're concerned about this. The idea basically being as soon as the employer says, we recognize our liability in this COVID, then you could say, okay, well, they re- then every other thing on the book. And these are not popular policies. People don't want to ask permission and be granted special paperwork by the same entity that runs the DMV to go to their supermarket or their local restaurant. This is a whole level of absurdity and insanity that people are protesting in droves, including people in Dallas. There was an airport uh, employee protest there today in Texas. There was massive protests in Italy where police officers used tear gas, water cannons on dock workers, on union workers, on protesters standing against the insane policies being implemented in Italy where they are pushing the agenda further, faster, and quicker than almost anywhere else in the world right now. And these clashes are not just creating protests and fights between police officers, which are still obeying the laws, uh, uh, sorry, obeying the decrees Mm. by by every exact extent that they are, but but this is also having a huge effect on our economy, on our supply chains, on global trade, and and these effects are are absolutely monstrous and they're going to be very huge. One one interesting thing that I just we we had a poll the other day from the Trafalgar group that we played on the show that was really interesting. If you listen to the mainstream media, I think you get the takeaway that Luke had, which is that there's this widespread belief that everyone had, but a plurality of Democrats, 47, 43, so not just barely, almost a majority, actually don't support people losing their jobs if they don't get the vaccine. But if you listen to the news, you would think that this is widely spread, especially among the left, and it's not. That's why I call him a cult, because uh, Matthew Iglesias is a great tweet. He said, Twitter is people who are 95% further left than the average voter arguing with people who are 75% further left than average voter that they're too far, right? You you have my, my favorite metric, because I feel like it's the easiest to understand for anyone who's paying attention, is that Democrats, 54%, according to civics, believe the economy is good. Yeah. That's insane. Moderate, 70% of moderates say fairly bad or very bad. 88% of Republicans say fairly bad or very bad. And the reality is, it's very bad. Yeah. Correct. Objectively. But let, 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 let's do this. Let's 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 take a look at a city that uh, uh, is under the the rule of uh, policies like this. We have this story from the Daily Mail. San Francisco Mayor London Breed claims Walgreens is only shutting five stores to cut costs, but pharmacy chains says it spends nearly fifty times as much on security as stores in that city compared to anywhere else. All right, let's slow down. San Francisco has such crime. Because, uh, uh, I mean, people are just going into Walgreens, shuffling stuff into bags. One guy's on a bike. He's running out a garbage mm-hmm. bag full of stuff. And so Walgreens says, we're going to shut down several stores. It's happened with other stores. Target reduced hours. This is partly due to the fact that the city basically said anything $900 or under won't be prosecuted. Yep. So people are like, free, free, free run, I guess. Here's the best part. London Breed is claiming Walgreens is only shutting five stores to cut costs. Why would Walgreens need to cut costs? It's a it's it's a a, a grocery store and pharmacy Essential in stuff, a major yeah. urban center yeah. of tens of millions of people in the entirety of the Bay Area. So, uh, wouldn't what yeah. why, why why is something what what is happening in San Francisco where they're like we can't afford this anymore? Well, the cost of security apparently. <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's, no, they, that's <laughs> not even security. Watch they've they've done it such that there's these videos. Where the security guard has to stand there mm-hmm. and watch them loot the place because the police won't back them up. 
So at some point, to your point, if it's $900, I don't know what costs more than $500 in Walgreens. Right. That's probably, so basically what they're saying is you can loot the entire thing. <laughs> I mean, Pretty much. And, and not face any consequences. At some point, it's, it's not worth it. I would imagine. I mean, th- think about it. Like, can you name a product in Walgreens that's more than 900 bucks? Well, it's probably if they walk out with more than $900 worth of stuff. No, I, but right, what happens right, is right. they come in with 10 of their friends and they all walk out with $800 worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They, there's videos of them walking up to the makeup rack with bags and just shuffling yeah, them all. Pricey. And then there's that, that, that one famous video where the guy's on a bike <laughs> in the store just grabbing stuff and the security guard's just filming. Watching. Well, they yeah. can't do anything. Right. It's what they voted for. If they want it, yep. they have it. Uh, good for them. That's right. But but also, Walgreens played by a different set of rules, especially during the lockdowns. Walgreens was allowed to be open. So they made they made bank as small mom-and-pop businesses got obliterated and destroyed by policies that prevented them from operating their businesses. And another reason why a lot of people didn't want to be police officers is because they got a lot of hate, not just from the left, but also from the right, especially when they re- went around small businesses and shut all of them down while all the big multinational corporations were able to stay open. So Walgreens saying that they need to save costs is bullcrap. They got way more than enough money. They got way more than enough play within the federal government that allowed them to stay open during lockdowns. This is not Walgreens saying it. They're being accused by the mayor of San Francisco of cutting costs. Yeah. Walgreens is like, they're looting our stores to the point we can't keep them open. Right. And then this is this is impacting people on, on many levels as well, because a lot of people can't even get their prescriptions filled as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, w- w- I mean, just a few years ago, I remember being in San Francisco, and it was like a war zone out there. So, I mean, this is what people want. This is what they voted for. Uh, good on you. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun. We, when I when we had Will Chamberlain, and I think it was Will and Charlie Kirk, right? Yeah, I think so. They... Uh, I basically had a similar approach. I was like, well, if people vote for this, then let them have it. And their response was, that's a very libertarian answer, as it said to me. They said, they're, you know, they were conservatives and they feel the law should be enforced equally for all people. The libertarians are the ones who are like, well, if you vote for it, that's what you get. I thought that was a really, really great point. We can't tolerate lawlessness in a city, even if people are, they're not voting for the crime. They're voting for policies that enable it. Right. So the crime still needs to be stopped. Well, the- Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Problem two, though, is let's face it. If you voted... Let's say you vote – you actually do vote because you want lawlessness, but I don't. Should I have to bear the consequences of someone's vote? And that's the problem is that San Francisco, until it's 100 percent, you're basically screwing everybody else yeah. who wants to live there in peace and and uh, you know not have their stuff taken, get punched in the face. It's a, it, right? the new normal. This is, that's a great, a, that's what usually happens. this is a great perch. I mean think about it. With the VAX mandates, you've got – Cops who refuse to enforce or abide by are quitting. 
law, uh, so law enforcement across the board, first responders, military saying no to this stuff, officers resigning, those who can. And then you have in cities, what's going to happen? Maybe you're a moderate, maybe you're even a Democrat, and you hear they're doing vax mandates. And like you said, the polls show that most Democrats don't even agree with it. They're going to leave. Right. They're going to move to Texas. They're going to move to Colorado. They're going to leave these heavily blue areas, making them even more yes, heavily blue. Exactly. 100%. I was going to say, this is the exact same problem you see with the police force. When the good officers leave because they're like, I will not enforce something unconstitutional, you're left with police who will do anything. It's exactly the same in cities. If you force people who are moderate and even remotely conservative out of your city, you're just going to end up with seriously spiraling crime and like... It sounds great for them, doesn't it? <laughs> That's I'm what imagining they want, I guess. Bill, de, Bill de Blasio right? is like, how do we get rid of conservatives there and moderates? Go. That's just I know, do things that are unconstitutional and egregiously bad, and the Democrats just accept it, I guess? They, they, they're going to watch CNN. We're good. Yeah. I, it's stupid policy. It doesn't equate as liberalism to me. I, I don't know what, what these people are. These, and it, or if it's just like, if it's just like endemically idiotic and like addictive because like they see one mayor do it in another city on the internet. They're like, I'm going to try it now. In I my think that city. they're responding to what Tim was talking about. About the, on, on the Twitter example, that these guys think that somehow that that vocal minority on Twitter is a majority, and it's not, and that's the problem. Is that they think that they are by by giving into them that they are doing the popular thing, but they're just giving into a very very loud minority. You know, you know, I'll be interested to see what happens in, in next year in the, in the midterms because um, we had this uh, state seat in Iowa flip Republican. Mm -hmm. There is some speculation for a lot of reasons. The Republicans are going to sweep in the House and maybe even the Senate. But I don't know, man. I'll, I, I'll, I'll believe it well, when I'll I tell see you what, it. I, I'll, I'll take it one step further. I think that if, if Republicans just literally sat under a table and breathed, for the next, whatever, 13 months, they will win. <laughs> they need six seats. They're going to get two in Texas because of the two new districts. They get one in Florida, and there's a handful of others that are easily flippable because of redistricting. What I'm more interested in is on January 7th, 8th, or whatever the day that that new Congress swarms in, are the Republicans, especially in the House, going to put forward an agenda that lit, that is reflective of what the people and the grassroots really have asked for? No. Absolutely no. not. No, but, <laughs> okay, but, but that's my point, right. is that this is what worries me, is that finally there's an opportunity. Never have the lines been so clear. Mm -hmm. This between watching the difference between Trump and Biden and watching the difference between these mayors that we're all talking about now. If you don't get it now, you're never going to get it, right? And so if Republicans in the House don't look at this opportunity and say, we got it. Then that they've blown it. Primaries. Time. I think. I think people got to make sure they're paying attention to the Republican primaries and making sure establishment do nothing. Republicans don't win. I thought Mike Gravel was pushing this thing called the National Initiative that it would have given uh, the American people a fourth branch of government. It would have given us the opportunity to write laws and pass them into the Senate. I think that's a good idea because these con these Congress people get in there and they get desensitized and disassociated from what regular people want. And why, why would we not have the ability to uh, pass laws anyway? I think this whole I mean, republic system there, there, is, is kind of There is the referendum process. Obsolete. A lot of states have a referendum process that functions that way. Yeah, like, California. Switzerland yeah. has it as well. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. I, I do think, like you mentioned, you know, the Republicans, they're historically due to win. Um, yes. Because of the unpopularity of Biden. And then we look at the, the historical trends. But I'm just not convinced because, like you said, if, if you don't get it now, you're never going to get it. There are a lot of people who are never going to get it. Now, there's a lot of reasons to think that things might might flip. Interestingly, in the last election, Republicans overperformed. It was it was to the polls. It was crazy. Like Miami going red. Yeah. South Texas. These all, all these areas. 
I want to believe first, I want to believe that Republicans will take back the House. And I would love to believe, but I can't, that they would actually impeach Joe Biden for like all the Ukraine stuff. And I mean, the dude's got literally scandals. everything. Yeah. yeah. The, the, not the emails that have come out, him meeting with Hunter Biden's partners, sharing bank accounts. I mean, yeah. Tom, <laughs> you, you, you know what the Pick problem one. is, is that every time. The only time that I've actually back, if you think back, the only time they've ever done anything effective is after 94 when there was a contract with America and they said, we're going to do these things. And for 100 days, they did it. Yeah. And then after it was like, where do we go? When yeah. was, but if they if they don't get it now, then I think that they're going to lose trust for a really, really long time. I don't know how you get it back because it, enough of this stuff has happened. And I think that if, if what, what I've started to do is as I bring people on the show, I'll say, are you committed to doing something if you get back to the majority? Because they need to be held accountable. Yes. And that's, that's the problem right now is they're going to get a pass. And I think that we need to start. What does that agenda look like? You know what the problem is? If someone, uh, I'll, I'll start with this. Republicans, when, when polled, have a negative view of the Republican party. <laughs> Democrats, when polled, have a positive view of the Democratic party. Democrats watch CNN and they believe everything they're told. They watch Rachel Maddow. It is insane the amount of lies pumped out through those networks all day, every day. And people just believe it, even when it contradicts itself. Bill, Maher, I think a good example, Bill Maher even, because he's been doing well as, a, you know, calling out the, the insanity. But he was wrong on the Covington kids a week after it happened, because right. when you just follow the cult media, they have no interest in informing you. Now, the problem here is, People are just going to blindly follow mainstream media. Republicans won't. So if I go to someone on the right and ask them a legitimate question and they're honest about it, they will get destroyed in the media because it'll be twisted and, right. and skewed. And then you can get someone, you know, in the, in the Biden administration to literally break their own rules, like, you know, Biden, for instance, and they ignore it completely. So I, I, I've been talking, you know, I, I talk to regular people all the time. I mean, just like, you know, going out, going to the hardware store, people who don't know who I am and just see how things are going. And a lot of them are just like, I have no idea what's happening. But they know Trump was bad. That's all they, that's all they know. Because they hear this stuff, you know, right. s from secondhand. But I, I told someone today, Tim, that imagine sitting in your house and turning on the television and someone says it's raining. And to your point, you trust it because, well, the weatherman is or person is on television saying it's raining. But then walking outside and being like, wait a second, there's moisture coming down and I'm getting wet. That's what's happening right now in America is that we look – you turn on the morning shows or CNN or what have you and you are told certain things. And you go, well, I'm supposed to believe them because why would they lie or mislead us? And yet they're not accurate. You look at what's happening right now with our economy, with Afghanistan, with all the stuff that this administration tells us. And yet the mainstream media's complicity in promoting the agenda and the policies of this administration is so corrupt and is so, uh, it's so undermining to the professional journalism that it is literally like sitting inside your house and having someone tell you it's raining on a sunny, I mean, it's sunny on a rainy day. Have you ever, I posted this photo on Instagram. I can't pull it up unless I log in, but it shows, I think it's like CBS and Fox News during Gordon Sondland's testimony. And they're two TVs side by side in a gym. Oh, yeah, I remember On that. one, it says Sondland confirms quid pro quo. On Fox News, it says Sondland confirms no quid pro quo. Amazing right. how this happens. And but the funny thing is, I wrote a post saying Fox is actually correct. Gordon Sondland said, Trump told me there is no quid pro quo, but in his opinion, he kind of felt like there was one. Opinion is not confirmation when the exact quote from the president was, don't. Right. But they'll frame it the way they want. 
I want to I want to pull up this story because I think it's a good opportunity to talk about Jen Psaki. We have this from the Independent. Psaki defends Biden's against claims they broke mask mandate on dinner date. Psaki battles conservative reporter over president's mask usage. There's so much here I love. Conservative reporter? That's that's uh, uh, Peter, du- Peter, Peter Ducey, Ducey, right? Yeah. yeah. So what? Okay. Did Peter Ducey come up and say that he was pro-life and had a question? Did he say, uh, Jen, I'm pro-life and I want small government and lower taxes. Now, my question is, why is he a conservative reporter? But would that – not to mention, you would never frame any of those folks from NBC or New York Times as liberal reporters. Not even the right. MSNBC. But also, who cares? Mm-hmm. He asked her a simple question about their policies. What, why violating. does his background have anything to do with it? It's yeah. – I mean – The labels. But again, this, this, because this goes back to what we were just talking about. Because if you if you demean – the reporter who's asking it, then there's less likely that you'll believe the answer or the predicate of, you know, so the, it's, it, it's how do we hominem, muddy this? Yeah. The, it, it, right wing is bad, conservative right. bad. Now, the funny thing is, as the saying goes, liberals think conservatives are evil. Conservatives think liberals are misguided, right? I think mm-hmm. people who are moderate, libertarian, I, you know what? I, I think it's easier just to name the cult. The Democratic establishment and their voters are in a cult because everyone else, they disagree with each other on a lot of things. Luke's fairly libertarian or very freedom oriented, but there are conservatives who disagree, but they agree on the truth and the facts to a great deal. But there are a lot of people who blindly follow behind Jen Psaki. I think this is interesting for two reasons. The first, well, three. First is pointing out, saying a conservative reporter I find part, uh, kind of funny. <laughs> but then you've got Joe Biden violating his own mask rule. Yep. Jen Psaki defending breaking his own rule and not a single reporter actually questioning outside of Ducey, who is then ignored or smeared. Where are the journalists? Now, I think it's interesting because you had this job. Yes. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you had this job, you were not given any free passes. In fact, I think it was kind of brutal, right? The journalists were just always just coming at you with very pointed, very hard, or even misframed questions. Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned you guys before we started. I did a – there was a profile in Jen and a reporter from the New York Times called me, and they said, well, what do you think? And I said, look, the reality is I walked into the lion's den every day, and she walks into a bunch of kittens. And everyone thought that was ridiculous. How could I say it? But the reality is, I mean, just look at the video. When I walked in, you had Acosta jumping up and down like a hyena. <laughs> and, and, and all these people were like, ah, 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 you know, I'm going to, but when she walks in, it's like, you know, a bunch of well-trained third graders. They sit there with their hands on their lap and politely raise their hand. Yeah, and then yeah. you have a guy like Ducey who literally just asks a simple question and they go, well, that's the right wing guy. What it's, was, was Ducey there when you were, no, uh, he wasn't? No. Did he, you was, have, he was at Fox, but John Roberts primarily was there. Oh, Kevin Cork was there. 
uh, from Fox. And then, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, um, come to me, but there was one other, uh, woman who worked and she's now left Fox, but are there a lot of the same reporters that were there when you were no, there? No, um, not there's some, but generally a lot of them switch over. Um, it's a tough beat. So I think a lot of times when there's a switch of administration, the folks who were say covering Biden on the campaign trail will kind of tap in, if you will, to cover the white house because they know the candidate or it's their turn. And I think frankly, there's a lot of burnout after you've been living, especially <laughs> covering Donald Trump. Where you have to be up early and stay up late just to stay up with the guy. Is it I, five I love, days a week? Oh, no, it's a seven a week. Yeah, seven, yeah a week. 24, seven. Yeah, I mean, you not, can be off some days, but it's like. You would do like seven days in a row of speaking every day? Oh, I was. So the way I worked for my tenure was on Sundays, I would try not to go into the office, but I was still, you know, either oh, on my oh, computer yeah. or on an iPhone or what have you all day long. Oh. But Saturdays I was in and, you know, every weekday. I don't, I don't want to blame. Jen Psaki, there, there was a big, you know, when she came in and the circle back stuff and the memes, I think they're funny. Circle back, I'll circle back. Come on, do your job. Uh, but I'm not going to blame a person who's hired to be a, a spokesperson. I mean, w- we get it. When, when, when the deep water horizon thing happens in the Gulf of Mexico, do we expect BP to come out and be like, we are irresponsible and we caused a major oil spill? It's our fault. <laughs> you, right. yeah. That's, I didn't maybe expect isn't the right word. Well, I also, like, like it. look, a press secretary that walks out and says, look, I know my boss just said this, but they're nuts. I mean, like, you got about eight seconds before they're yeah. like, can we take your badge and get out? That's right. just not how it works. You're, you're like a lawyer, and I hate to use the analogy, but it's easy to, to make, that you don't get up there, you make the best case for the person you represent. Mm-hmm. That's it. Plain and simple. You're not there to interpret for them. I would say sales rep is a better kind of description yeah. from my own personal Thank opinion. You. You're I'll- selling policies right, that, right. Uh, again, you can't really answer for. I right, mean, exactly. what else is, and I think that's probably more yeah. up. You don't go, you know, to be honest with you, after about three weeks, the product sucks. That's, <laughs> that's, I mean, like, but, so, but, but these are salespeople, and people need to understand, like, the word of the government is not gospel, it's sales. It's trying to convince you of a certain idea. This this is why I went when, like, like I said, when Seki came in and conservatives were coming at her, I'm like, I, I, I don't care. But you know what I really care about is the journalists who have decided to yes. lay down their swords. They're no longer adversarial. And you can argue, but they ask her tough. No, they don't ask her questions. No, she says, I'll circle back and we never hear anything. She, she's not being challenged on that. The only one who is doing anything is Ducey. And his questions typically are fairly good, normal questions. And they're respectful. But the media attacks him. But by the way, <laughs> just so we're clear, just so we're clear, she chooses not to call on anybody else. That's the token, right? And right. So Peter becomes the one person that she calls him. There's... 30 other people. We have a, a, a White House correspondent, too, actually, that switch in and out from Newsmax in there. They don't get questions. Never. Neither do anyone else that's right-leaning. She calls on all the mainstream guys and then throws the obligatory token question to Peter so that she can say that she sent one over. Yep. But nobody else in that briefing room gets one. I took questions from literally every single person in there. Not only that. But when I started, I actually did this. I killed the tradition of starting with the AP and working through the mainstream media backwards. I started in the back of the room and moved forward. Wow. Because to me, that was, that was very symbolic of what Trump was all about. And so I thought, all right, how better to show this than not by calling on them? Didn't you guys do that Skype thing? We did. Yeah. So I brought in, um, reporters that couldn't make it to the brief room. But part of the reason was to allow issues that weren't coming up. It's it's all these guys are groupthink. So yeah. if CNN asked a question, then the Washington Post would say, you know, following up on that, 
Well, what I wanted to know, what was going on in Cleveland and Providence, Rhode Island and, you know, Seattle, so that you could hear an issue that was affecting real people in their communities about some federal land policy or a school, you know, an education policy issue. But all that I ever got was Russia, Russia, Russia. So I figured, you know what, (laughs) I have a feeling that people out in America don't necessarily all care about this. I don't, you know, whether it's you or Saki. I see a White House press secretary, like like we were saying, it's it's they're there to sell the policy, they're there to speak to to not interpret, I guess, but you know to present the. But you got to remember the other thing is Jen was at CNN prior to coming here. These are her colleagues, they're her buddies. Do you think they're going to attack her? Like I, 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 she's well, going back there. Just well, so let, let's, let, let's be fair. They could have pulled a homeless guy off the street, put him in there, and as right, like, fair enough. But, but my point is, like, but but let's be honest. I mean, I agree with you. It literally, you could put anyone up there every day, and it won't significantly change. I love the Biden's fake question. Like you know, remember when that journalist came up to ask a question, but they asked something different. And he was like, "I thought you were going to ask about uh, oh whatever." But Pelosi, like all... think about this. We showed this in our show today. Pelosi stood in front of the press. And was asked last week about the the Build Back Better plan. And she said, you folks need to do a better job of selling it. Yes. I was like, <laughs> I'm going, oh, my God, you said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> You're, you literally chided them for not doing your job. But that's what they think. That's what the left thinks, is that the press is a tool to get out our message. True. I mean, yeah. how else yeah. did Biden get elected? Yeah. Biden literally hid in the basement sure. while the media did the pitching, yeah. the campaigning for but him. But I've got, the, the, uh, you know, it's, just, it's, 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 it's like Weekend at Bernie's, man. Uh-huh. Right. Shameless plug. I have two chapters in my new book that just talk about the what the press doesn't do. Yeah, we, right? Yeah. This radical nation. Radical nation. Yeah. But I have two chapters in here that talk about the complicit nature of the press. And it's the thing that people have to understand is when you look at the examples of how Biden conducts himself and how the press doesn't do their job, then you get it. How deep do you go in the rabbit hole of who owns the companies that run the media? It's a great question. I, in this book, that's not – I touch on that in my last book, but I'm not, I'm not selling that What's anymore. that one called? Leading America. But, 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 but Because I think that's a good point. But I, but here the point was to look at the Biden administration and recognize the fact that they weren't getting the, and we talk about this from the, you talk about the mask mandate now, him going to this Georgetown restaurant. Now, that's how he started. Yeah. Remember the fact that this was one of the first questions that she got asked by Ducey when he went to the Lincoln Memorial. He doesn't wear a mask and she comes back and is like, well, come on. Same, same answer, by the way. No big deal. Before the, before the show. You know, I'm like, oh, Sean, you have a book. What's it called? Radical Nation. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's dangerous plan for America. And I was like, just hold it up during every segment because yeah. it's going to be applicable. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, but, but it is. I mean, is it even their plan or someone deciding all this stuff behind the scenes? Well, look, the one thing that I'll tell you is Biden during the campaign said, I'm going to be the most progressive president ever. And I frankly think that most people dismissed him on the right and the left. He does understand this. He's going to have one term. And he wants a legacy that says, I did more for the left than anybody else. I want to be remembered for the guy who named the first black female vice president, the first openly gay department head, which is what he says, even though Rick Grinnell did serve under Trump, but he wants to nuance it to say department. But all of these things that he wants to do are to cement his legacy as the latest version of FDR. Bunch of virtue signals. The only, the only issue is he's just, you know, not there. He's not. He's like I, a 13%. I, yeah. I, I have a different but understanding just, of look, it, to be honest with you. I, I, I think he's a shallow man. I think special interests are using him to push through some of the most absurd, ridiculous, most craziest policies that would, they would never have the balls to do if there was a real candidate behind that presidency. That's look, my opinion. Two Fridays ago at a press conference, he said this. 
if we pass my 1.2 and 3.5 legislation pieces of legislation trillion quote, dollars. Trillion, dollars. trillion dollars we will we will transform the structure and nature of our economy he knows what he's doing so but, but yeah, first of all who wanted him to do that if he nobody knows, if he knows what he's doing he's tanking the economy on purpose especially with his uh, vaccine mandates especially with his restrictions on trade especially with the effects that he has had on global trade in general so i think if he knows what he's doing he's he's assertedly making sure that the United States gets destroyed from the inside, especially with Afghanistan policy, especially with all the policies that he has proposed, never help out the average American. Let me ask you a question. Look at Afghanistan objectively, no matter who you are, whether you've served a day in your life or not, and say to yourself, did anybody honestly think that that was a good idea of saying, hey, let's get these guys out first and then worry about everybody else? I mean, the entire thing, it literally took a sixth grader to go, ah, Bad idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Keep your Air Force base. The idea of – look at this weekend. What we need to do is tell people to work 24-7 at the ports. Really? You're not – no one's working to begin with, and you think the answer is to tell yeah. them to work more? <laughs> Meanwhile, there's still crazy carbon emissions, especially passed by California, that prevent many of these ships, many of these trucks from even operating in the state of California. So there's many layers to this that we don't even understand yet. And there's still a, a truck driver shortage. Yep. So being like we're opening the ports 24-7 does literally nothing. Correct. And you have to be vaccinated to make sure that you work now. But look, it's, here's it's, the thing. It's, it's you told purpose, people right? not to work, so huh. they didn't make things. Then they couldn't ship them. Then they couldn't unload them. Then they couldn't stock the shelves with them. And now you go, you know what the answer is? Just turn it on 24 7. This is, I mean, work more. Again, you had Marty Walsh, the Secretary of Labor, get asked last Sunday night what the problem was. He said, I don't know. If you don't know what the problem is, then you shouldn't be the Secretary of Labor. Mm -hmm. You have Pete Buttigieg literally on Sunday calling it a success. A success. Let me, let me, let me pull up the story we got from TimCast.com. Transportation Secretary Buttigieg says supply chain disruptions could continue into 2022. Oh. So we, we just found out that apparently he was on like a two month leave. <laughs> no one knew. Yeah. While the crisis is happening, we're wondering like, how did this happen? Well, the guy who's supposed to be running that isn't here for one thing. But actually before the show, you brought, you brought up a really good yeah. point about this. So I have a chapter in the book called Biden Inc. and it talks about all the people mm-hmm. That got confirmed and didn't that we don't know about. And when I say that is frankly, I don't think Republicans did their job during the confirmation process. But check this out. Pete Buttigieg is 38 years old. He was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana that has a hundred thousand people. And do you know how many buses they have? 66 million? 66 million? No, no, 66 <laughs> buses. There's 66 buses in a city of, okay. And that's wow. who we chose to, to lead the airways, the railways, the seaports. All of these things are being run by a guy that's 38 years old that oversaw 66 let's, buses. Let's be real. Buttigieg dropped out through his support behind Biden and right. gave him a kickback. But, but here's the kicker. So when Biden, when he was confirmed, right, and I talk about this in the book, that the first thing Biden says is, I'm excited to have the most qualified guy. No, he says, I'm excited to have the first openly gay cabinet member to lead a department. And they said that because Grinnell had been DNI, but that's not the point. The point is when Grinnell got hired by Trump, it was because he was qualified because he had the experience. When Buttigieg got hired, it was because he checked a box, not because I, he was qualified. I feel like, you know, I see, I see Buttigieg and they make that announcement. He's at the first gay department and I'm like, wow, that's, that, that's really cool. Like congratulations to Buttigieg on his family and, and his love and his, and his children. Uh, so what experience and work do you have? Yeah. 
Like, look, the but, social stuff aside, yeah. we can be like, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think Biden doesn't care about his legacy. He has a guy that's arguing arguing with but Tucker does, Carlson but, but, ab- about male breastfeeding right now. Right, that's but, the but, argument but, but, but happening right now. What he wants now. to do, because <laughs> to him, it's yeah. more important to say I checked a box. Mm-hmm. Who did I appoint? Not right. what did I get done? Think about this. That's not what, to, real quick. Kamala Harris, she got zero delegates, right? right? Yeah. So he chooses her. She's not, the least again, popular person who right, ran. But, but what did he say? Not that I want the best qualified VP that can step in and be president. I want to have the first woman, and I'm going to choose someone of color. So he immediately says it's not about qualifications. I, the other person that I really delve into, and there's a lot of them, but one of my favorites is Dennis McDonough. He's the head of, he's the secretary of veterans affairs, never served in the military, didn't work with veterans groups and doesn't have anything to do with healthcare, right? Hmm. The only other person in the history of the United States that hasn't been a veteran that was secretary was David Shulkin, who had served in Obama. Trump kept him. He's a doctor. He worked in the VA. He understands healthcare, specifically veterans healthcare, hmm. right? VA healthcare systems, how it's delivered, et cetera. Dennis McDonough had no experience except he had been Obama's chief of staff. That's it. But those are the kind of people that we're putting in place. And we wonder why we are where we are. This is a point that I have made because we are looking at a social justice checking the box for demographics administration. You're seeing it play out. This is what's happening. And to Luke's point, though, that this is their metric. Yes, it is. If you're on the left, it's not what did you get done. It's how many boxes did you check? How many firsts? How many things did Mm -hmm. you – can we say that you did so that, you know, it's it's how much – Critical race theory did you inject into the system? How many of these, you know, uh, welfare programs did you start? But it's all about being able to, to lay a marker down for the progressive left going forward. It's a cult. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens it's, when you it, let an authority run the show all the time. I think that's why this decentralized United States is so important and why the private sector is such a big part of our lifestyle. Because you can't let some central organization pick all the pieces and parts every time. Because eventually you're going to get some idiot but, that but comes one in. But one of the points that I touch on in the book is this. You have to understand what I call the why, right? There's a chapter in here about D.C., and people have to understand this because this is so fundamental to what the Democrats believe. The District of Columbia was created by our framers, a 10-square-mile district. They took a part from Virginia and a part from Maryland and created D.C. When they no longer needed the part from Virginia, they gave it back. I live in that part right now, in Virginia, that used to be the part of the district. Well, Now Democrats go around, they say, we want the people in D.C. to have voting rights. Oh, that sounds so American. Everybody should be able to vote. Great. But my answer is, well, then give back the part in D.C. to Maryland that's no longer being used because, gosh, we did that to Virginia. We took it from Maryland. Give back what's no longer needed. It's already a state. Problem solved. But what do Democrats want to do? They want to create a state among these few hundred thousand people. Why? Why? Because... D.C. votes 95 to 5 Democrat, meaning that you will have two more Democratic senators in perpetuity. They, they, they like to talk about how, oh, these red states like Wyoming, Delaware. Huh. Come on. You like, want to make Delaware is microscopic. Right. But the point is, is that the Democrats have an overarching goal, which is to maintain political power as long as they can so that they have a vehicle to push these power, these policies through. You, and once you understand that. That these people and these policies are all there for that same collective reason, then you get it. And this is like the, the Great two- Reset using the American Democratic Party. Is this sure? But they all get it. The well, more people that are addicted to government, the more that they enact policies that ensure that they never are out. You, men- you, you mentioned, you know, you know, Biden basically hires these people with no experience. Like I, I said, you know, Buttigieg is probably just uh, here's your kickback. Thanks for you right. know throwing your weight behind us. But I kind of feel like. 
you know, Donald Trump had some people who should not have been there under the assumption they had experience. I think he thought John Bolton was going to give him good advice, and that was a mistake. Yep. I think he thought Millie was going to give him good advice, and that was a mistake. So I wonder if Trump would have been better off with a bunch of randoms that didn't have experience in the long run. Well, to some degree, we kind of started that way. I mean, you think about it. Trump, look, if you go back looking through every other candidate in history, they were either a politician or a general. They had a group of people around them, especially in modern times. If you're a governor or a senator, you've got advisors and consultants and donors that can fill spots. Trump was a businessman. He wasn't a politician. So he comes into office. He's like, hey, I'm going to grab that guy, that guy, that guy. Some of them fit well. Some of them didn't. But he, he had to go through that churn initially because he didn't have a whole group of people that were part of his donors. But there were some people that— Joe Biden has the entirety of the establishment behind him as the best he could do. Right, but but the difference is that he has the people. He's putting them in the wrong places, right? So it's not that Pete Buttigieg is a dumb guy or couldn't do something in the administration. It's that they put him in a place that he's not qualified. Dennis McDonough is not a bad guy. He's a smart guy from everything I know, but he shouldn't be leading the Department of Veterans Affairs. I mean, he could have been OMB or something. He's got government experience. What's OMB? uh, Office of Management and Budget. I mean, he was Obama's chief of staff. He he gets government. He's not a dumb guy. But the point isn't that they're not smart. It's that they're not qualified for the jobs they're in. This, This is why I think, you know, Joe Biden's in charge. You know, some people want to play it out like he's secretly not running the show. Kamala's. No, I think you've got a bunch of sycophants who are sitting around being like, sure thing, Joe, unqualified people. And no one wants to challenge him. The dude's out of his mind. He probably mutters and, and spurts out gibberish. We, we hear him say it on TV when he mutters off. My favorite was when he was saying something and then he went, uh, 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 whatever. And just like stop dead in his tracks. And look, with all due respect, he's an old guy. He's losing it. But I genuinely believe he's sitting in these cabinet meetings and he's like, uh, Kamala, can you, uh, with, uh, the border, uh, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to bed. And then she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? And then the media's like, where's Kamala Harris? And she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I would disagree, especially when we look at what's been happening, because when you see the policies and who they directly affect, they affect middle America, uh, people in the lower class that are absolutely being obliterated. The billionaire class, they're getting richer than they ever have been in recorded human history. Yeah, 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 There's but, a but, chart going around right now. I mean, you, you, you could is, always is, ask, who, you know, who benefits? But, I always but ask is that, that question. just because no one's on duty and no, so the no, looters no, are looting? No, 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 no. I think the looters are looting more than they ever have because of the policies that they're implementing that directly benefit them. Uh, there's a new chart going around right now that says in the United States, the top 1% now holds more money and more wealth than all of the middle class combined. Uh, so so when we, we're seeing such a huge transfer of wealth, when we're seeing the American people just thrown down the toilet, being mandated, being restricted, being regulated, being taxed more than ever, who do these policies directly benefit? A lot of the multinational corporate billionaires that, of course, have financed him, have put him into office, and now they're getting their rewards with the policies that he puts forward. And I think he's too delusional. I don't think he's there. I think they're the ones saying, do this for us because we got you in there. And he's like, yes, sir, whatever you want. Here's this deal. Here's this package. Here's this contract. Here's this new regulation. Here's this new tax, which will make you win, which will give you money and screw everyone else over. So I I pulled up this chart from Business Insider, and you can see that for the first time, it appears, or not from the first time, but at least in in the span of this chart, that the top 1% now surpassed the middle Mm -hmm. 60%. I don't know if I, you know, agree on necessarily what Joe Biden is doing, 
But I will say that the establishment elites as a whole definitely want to create a class system where the poor working class never move up, eliminate upward mobility, basically just have ultra elites who are wealthy, will always be wealthy. If, you, if you're rich and you're born rich, stay rich. Why, 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 why risk it? Now for, now, for me, that's not a policy about someone caring about his legacy. That's a policy of a sinking ship. Mm-hmm. The ship's going down, and we're going down with it very fast. Look at the way China has been uh, establishing their policies, their foreign policy, their domestic trading systems, their uh, Belt and Road initiatives. It's completely 100% 80 uh, you know, degrees different than what we're doing here in well, the United States. Let's 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 go back to the 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 initial story. Actually, you know, uh, aside from Buttigieg being uh, you know unqualified, he's telling us right now the supply chain disruptions could continue into 2022. Mm-hmm. So what what does this mean for us as 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 consumers? What does it mean for the middle class, the working class, for people who want to put a Thanksgiving turkey on their table? It's going to yeah. cost more. I mean, that, if you can it, even the- get it. Yeah, but that's the point. Is that so? Look, let's just break it down. If you can get it, it's probably going to cost more. But secondly, when you're adding in additional labor costs, i.e., saying, okay, we're going to have to have workers work 24 hours. Well, they're not working now, so what does that mean? You're going to have to pay them more to show up to just for the first eight hours. Mm-hmm. Then to get them to work the other two shifts, you're going to have to pay even more. You have to get more truckers. So everything is going to, if you can get it, cost more money. I don't understand how that's supposed to help yeah. the middle class. It's not. It's meant to destroy the middle class. This is a deliberate attack on them and anyone else who is daring to even look up and see the exact situation that's happening right in front of them. The U.S. Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, Wally Adeyemo, I'm saying his name wrong. Uh, I don't care. But he said that <laughs> that today the supply chain chaos is being uh, exacerbated. This, this crisis is happening because people are not getting vaccinated. And he says, as soon as people get vaccinated, all the supply chain problems will go uh, away. That that's lunacy. It's not that's insane anybody. thinking. Exactly. And this is this is this is not just a, a cult. This is desperate people trying to hang on to any kind of fear mongering that they think will work to convince the American people to lay down to give up their rights. The global supply chain problems are, are big. They're exacerbated by government, and they're only going to be made that much worse. Even CBS, CNBC is admitting it. They they wrote an article today that was titled Supply Chain Chaos is Already Hitting Global Growth and It's About to Get Worse. If you remember, you were talking about this. I was talking about this for months on end saying, hey, there's going to be some major problems in the U.S. economy. I said this as soon as COVID happened. I was like, this is going to be a larger economic wave that's going to hit this country that there's no going back from. The wealth is being redistributed in ways that we have never seen before. Yeah, to the 1%. It, it, it's not even just the 1%. It, it's, it's beyond even 1%, especially when we go into the money printers, especially when we go into the billionaires that are, are enriching themselves more than they ever have been in history of the world and 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 i don't think this has anything to do about legacy i think this is deliberate i think there's a lot of agendas here and i think there's all a lot of things going that we don't even realize so, so this is what pete Buttigieg said on sunday quote demand is up because income is up well let's table that for a second <laughs> because the president has successfully guided this economy out of the teeth of a terrifying recession what? What? Are they judging, like, whoever you, do they understand what, to, first they judge Afghanistan a success, now they're judging the economy. I don't know if they understand what that word means. It's, it's, it, you know what's, what's amazing is that 
You know, you mentioned with like Jen Psaki or even when you were as uh, in, in the White, uh, as the press secretary, like you're there to basically speak on behalf of someone who can't speak for themselves. And if you're like, well, the guy's a moron, you'll get fired in two seconds. At a certain point, maybe people need to be a little bit more candid, like, you know, Buttigieg or Biden or Kamala or anybody could just be like, we get it. We're going to try our best. Instead, it's like, this is good news. Inflation is great. I don't know. If, like, I just, I, I took my son to see the Lego movie whenever it came out. And I just remember everything being like, everything is okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, awesome. This is like, yeah. they don't think that we see this. When you go to the store and things cost more, or you go to fill up your car and it costs more, or you don't see something on a shelf, you don't go, yes, this <laughs> is so great. What, what was the Bloomberg article? We need more inflation and we need it now. I think that was the Washington Post. Was the Washington uh, Post? Yeah, and, and again, who do who does inflation impact the most? Right, the, the, poor the, people. the poorest people, yep. uh, the, the middle class But people. the thing now, that's funny about the supply chain argument is, again, I got a D in economics, like just to get this out on the table. So I'm not, this is not my forte. But here's what I will tell you. When you tell people not to work, and you pay them not to work, they don't work. And therefore, you don't get a product. And when you don't get a product, you can't ship the product. And when you don't ship the product, you can't drive the product somewhere, and there's no one to drive it. They created this problem. They created it, and now they're yeah. trying to say, okay, it's no big deal. The idea that they're out there saying, hey, this is going to continue into next year is not something that we should say, okay, good to know. Thanks. I'll mark my calendar. I, it's, I, it's, hey, this is your problem. Fix it. I can only conclude they want it to happen. Mm. I mean, if you go back to what Fauci was saying about lockdowns, oh, you know, we're going to be wearing masks and locking down for the next year into 2022 or whatever. And then you get the supply chain disruptions. What does Joe Biden do? Open the ports 24-7. Hey, guy, what about the trucks, the trains? What about the the, the lack of workers? What? Nothing, nothing, no, nothing. That's the problem. And again, they think we're stupid. Hmm. Well, I, wait, wait. I, I, think, I think they know people on this show are at the very least – Average. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like we're the smartest people in the world, but we're certainly not stupid. We get a lot of things wrong. That's normal. But there are a lot of people who are dumb and blindly follow. It's the more that they're ignorant, not necessarily their intelligence. They but might also, be highly but, intelligent, but, but, but they this, don't know. This goes back to what we touched on not too long ago. When you have a media that is complicit and is like, okay, we'll get that out right away. Yeah. That, that's you guys you wake, need to be selling this. Correct. And, and you wake up and you hear things about how, you know, it's not, it's actually the boogeyman's fault. Also, Bigfoot has something to do with this. I mean, that's <laughs> what we're being told. Man, I look at the, the history of the U.S. government and lying to the people about secret, uh, operations and the weapons of mass, this and this, and the Cuban that, and like Kennedy tried to speak out against it. And then I don't, I don't, I, I can't I can understand classified information. I can understand the government lying about certain military operations. Mm. I can yeah, understand exactly. if, if they certain came out, ones. Certain ones. But then you look at say like the Gulf of Tonkin. But I mean it is just you know it's we, so blatant what they're doing right now, how it's like you print twenty eight trillion and then tell us that everything's gonna they, be fine. That's they, what they did before the Great Depression. They tried to but, tell but everyone everything's gonna be fine. The other day we're talking we're going up against a potential debt crisis. Okay, and one of the ideas they float out there is, what if we just make a coin and call it three trillion dollars? Yes, that was amazing. I, I'm literally like, <laughs> I didn't know we could do that. That's like, you like, just go, you know what we need to do is make a coin in the amount of money we owe, and we'll just say that we it's, don't know. It's the Simpsons episode. It is when yeah. when they they have the trillion dollar bill, and then Mr. Burns and Homer steal it. <laughs> a trillion dollar. I can't believe it. I, I, I'm not convinced we live in the in reality. We must. Maybe be, that's where they got the idea. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that that's probably it. Yeah. So I was like, uh, just so, I want to throw this out there. I saw the Simpsons last night, and <laughs> one idea we should consider. I, I'm imagining they're sitting there, and like you know, someone they're they're like, what do we do? And there's a guy watching Simpson on his phone, and then he sees Mr. Burns and the trillion dollar bill, and he goes, hey, hey, 
Can we do that? Sounds great. Like, we can I, do I, anything. I we're the government. No, you, do, you know what? You, you, you picture, you see us, like, we're, I don't know if everyone at home, like, we're at this big long table, right? And I, I imagine something like the Treasury Department, and they're like, you on the back wall, do you have your hand up? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Every idea is on the table. And the guy's like, sir, uh, last night I'm watching the Simpsons and Bart and Homer come up with this idea. And the guy's like, keep, keep, keep going, going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like where you're going with this. I mean, like, that's literally what seems to There's, be happening. There has to be like, you know, he raises his hand and he's like, no ideas off the table. And he says, well, you know, I was watching the Simpsons yesterday and then some snooty guy says, excuse me, what do you, and then the treasure, no, no, let him speak. Let him speak. Him speak. Yeah, let him speak. <laughs> he's on to something. Finish your idea, son. And it's I, like, well, I what Simpsons. if we mint a trillion dollar coin? Oh, and he's like, mm-hmm. by Jove, it might work. And they all start <laughs> But we're going to need more. Uh, a two trillion you know, dollar And the coin. guy, by the way, just to, just to cap it off, the guy who said it was a stupid idea is already like, well, whose face will it go on? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I can't believe, I, I remember seeing the media running that story like, we could mint a trillion dollar coin. It's, and it's like, Oh my god. We don't live in there's not nothing's real. It's just <laughs> the, real. the government's like we have a trillion dollars. No, debt solved. Is it that much crazier what's happening right now with the government just literally printing zeros and and, and just pressing it on a computer button? I'm on money. Yeah, just on a computer, yeah. just sending out loans. They're doing it anyway. They might as well make a coin hey, celebrating hey, you, it. I know. It's yeah. true. I mean, you think about the idea that we're spending we spent what 5.4 trillion last year. We're now talking about a 1.2 and then a 3.5 trillion. And nobody like the idea is well you know what all right what if we get it down to two point two or something it's like no no no. this is insane and we're negotiating with crazy people Uh, I hope people uh, are paying attention man look I'm not going to give anybody any financial advice but you know we're trying to make sure that whatever it is we think we're going to need for the expansion of this company like recording equipment or stuff we're getting now I told this story months ago I'm on Amazon. I'm like, we need a tablet for, mm-hmm. you know, for like work, for signing forms. When people come here, we have to sign stuff. And so I go on Amazon and I'm like, tablet. And I click it and it goes into my, my cart on Amazon. I don't like using Amazon. I try to avoid it when I can. Uh, but I digress. I forgot about it. I didn't buy it. The next day I open up Amazon and it says, alert, price change in your cart. It went up like a couple hundred bucks hmm. because the economy supply is in demand. Supply, I mean, we're... We've got supply chain crunch. We've got economic collapse in a variety of industries and areas. Uh, there's a shortage of basically everything in chips. And then I saw the price went up and I was like, wow, I should have bought that yesterday. Huh. Yep. This is the stuff that we're, 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 is gonna, it's going to happen. People don't understand it. When the ports are blocked. This gets back to what Luke was saying. That who do you think that affects? You have done very well. You can afford that. For the guy right. or, or mom or dad who's out there and whose kid needs it for going back to school or something, or they need it for their small, they can't absorb that cost. Imagine this. You're working, you're making 20 bucks an hour, and you're like, I only gotta work one more week to save up for that new, you know, whatever I need, my guitar, you know, I'm gonna write songs, and I'm gonna get out of this dead end job, and then you're like, I finally saved up a couple grand, and you go back online, and now it's three grand. And you're like, well, but I, I saved up, or you, right, or you get in a work. car accident and you can't afford insurance, or you get sick and you go to, you know, a hospital that's corrupted and will rob you blind and for you know, even basic medical procedures. And you know what bothers me is that I think the the populist right and left can agree on all of those problems. The problem is that I have with the leftists, not the establishment Democrats, is that they see that and go, I know socialism yeah more, right. like, oh, oh, more of the same over. government policies right yeah. give the government absolute authority over the economy and that'll solve the problem created by the government in the first place yeah. and i'm like okay uh, i'm not here to say a private sector solution guarantees the proper outcome i'm saying if it's broken don't make it bigger 
Yeah. Or better off, make people buy private health insurance. That's going to solve everything. It's absolutely insane. The the, the problem I have is, you know, having worked at at a homeless shelter and understanding, at least to a certain degree, the problem of homelessness is that when I go down and I see a homeless person and they're like, I would like to be homeless. And I'm like, would you like not to be homeless? No, I'm going to stay here. Would you come with us for a shower, clean clothes? No, absolutely not. Get out of my face. And that's what you experience a lot with homeless people. But the left comes out and says, there are more empty homes than homeless. The only reason the problem isn't solved is because evil rich people. And I'm like, have you met a homeless person? Have you ever done any work trying to help them actually go out and provide food and shelter opportunities? I tell you this, man, I have. And many of these people just say, F you. Not all of them. There are some people who are homeless who are like, thank you so much for the help. And that, that makes you feel great. But the solution we often get from populist leftists is this very naive, hey, I know if there's an empty house and a person without a house, we'll put them in the house. And then you're like, hey, who will pay for the utilities? Who will stop the house from falling down? Who will repair the gutters? Who's going to do the regular lawn maintenance? You can't just do this. Someone, these things have to be built and maintained. Yeah. So we can recognize the same problems, but how do we actually get people to stop screaming Nazi and actually want to work on solutions? Because, uh, look, I, I think this is the point that I was making earlier about the power, that th- they recognize that the more that they trap people in government, that that's how they that's how they that's how they exist. Right. The more people become free from government, that make their own way, that live their own lives that don't aren't dependent on government, the less need you have for the left and for Democrats. And that's the problem is they fundamentally need you to basically be addicted to government to continue. Well, and that's the problem. Well, it's also politicians passing the bill, whether it's Obama, whether it's Bush, whether it's Trump, whether it's Biden. They always write checks that they can't pay for. Correct. And we have to understand that this is not just a, a liberal problem, a democratic problem. I mean, when you look at what Bush and Trump did as far as spending, I mean, you want to pull your hair out because they exacerbated this problem and the problem is just continued and only made worse by the Democrats. So to if, see this kind we, of if reckless spending. we weren't in spending, a situation where we had low interest yeah. rates right now, I think people would really appreciate or feel the impacts of what this spending means to us. I mean, because right yeah. now, the interest on the debt is at least somewhat manageable. The second interest rates go back up and it really impacts our ability to not do things. And I, I actually worry, I, I, my big thing is, I, I think that China is staring us in the face. I don't think people appreciate that these guys are playing the long game, their military buildup and everything else economically they're doing. And the problem is, is at some point, we will not have the resources to combat them effectively. Yeah, and they're also writing blank checks as well with their Belt and Road Initiative. They're buying up all of Africa. They're buying up Latin America. They're buying up factories. They're buying up resources. What are we doing? We're literally giving all of our money to Pfizer. We're literally giving all of our money to Lockheed Martin. And what are they doing? They're getting they're getting paychecks for screwing us over in Afghanistan, for giving us medicines that go from 88% effective C to 3% effective C in, in five months. And those are the people getting the government contracts. Those are the people getting blank checks with no infrastructure, no resources, nothing to show for it except corruption that goes both ways. Democrat and Republicans are responsible for it. And I think even if Republicans do it, and I agree with, I agree with your point, Sean, uh, they're not going to do anything. Do you know they're going to be a lame duck session. The most interesting yeah. thing that I thought happened over the past couple of weeks that didn't get a lot of attention is – and this, this sounds very inside the beltway, so I'll preface it with that. The House Republicans kicked the U.S. chamber off of their coalition calls, huh. and they basically said, we don't, we don't need you anymore. 
to me, as and I know a lot of people are sitting there saying, okay, what's the big deal or why? But they recognize that for the first time, the party is shifting a little bit to represent the workers, not the leaders. It's not about representing the corporations anymore, but the workers them in there. And there's been this dynamic shift in politics where what the Democrats used to represent union workers and men and women who were blue collars and worked with their hands. Um, and now the Republican Party, because largely Donald Trump refocused them, have now recognized that's who their constituency is. Those are the people that need to get taken care of and listened to and are overlooked, not the big corporations who are there to pay lip service to a lot of this stuff. And at the end of the day, take everything they can from Republicans and then support Democrats. Trump really broke that system, man. Oh, crushed they, it. Yeah, they, they, the Republican was this corporate party. The Democrats were supposed to be mm-hmm. like for union working guys. And then in 2016, you know, 2015 started to change things with Bernie and Trump. I remember that Vox article saying the Democrats had become the party of the ultra wealthy. Why? Well, they were fleeing the Republican Party. Then you ended up with a bunch of populist nationalist, you know, conservatives, more like Steve Bannon, more like Trump. And all of a sudden, where did the establishment corporatists go? The Lincoln Project. I love it. This, this, it's just, it's the uniparty has been jammed into one weird mash and it's just blatantly obvious for everyone to see. Yeah. There's absolutely no absolutely and there's 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 if if you're not paying attention you'll be fooled by this wwe style wrestling match in front of you but but at the end of the day i i think the same special interests the same billionaires that are getting more money than ever are the ones buying out the republicans buying out the democrats and that's why we're not going to see any difference when the republicans take back congress and the senate it's it's not going to mean anything because we're not going to see but, anything but from t- it t- t- listen here's the thing that i think for so long, I, I, I'm not a supporter of term limits. I believe that at the end of the day, you have to be held accountable for your decisions, right? What Trump showed us is that leadership does matter. When the, what the, one of the coolest things about working for him was that he just wanted it done. It wasn't like, hey, how many PowerPoint presentations have you guys put together and how many meetings it was? Can you do it? Will it work? Will it make things better? Full stop. Get it done. And I think what's happened is people have recognized that that's now the new litmus test. If you're sitting around giving a bunch of lip service to why a problem can't be handled, then you're going to be replaced. And I think that if they don't get it, then there'll be consequences. I don't disagree with you, Luke, that I don't know that how much is actually going to get done. But I think people are now saying, if you don't do it, get out of the way because there's going to be somebody behind you that will primary you and get it done. I'm already there. I'm actually at the point where I'm just saying, get out of the way. Let me build the Fediverse. Let me build cryptocurrencies because the... These politicians are, it's a joke what they've done over the last 20 years of my life. And that's, that's, that's excellent. That's, that's a good way to see it. Just start doing the work. Mm. I want to, uh, I want to ask you, we, we, we talked about 2022. What about 2024? You think Trump is going to run? Do you think DeSantis is going to run? So today, I believe that Donald Trump is running for president. I have talked to him a few times. He has not tipped his hand, but everything that he says and how he says it and what he cares about, like he's in. Could it change? Absolutely. Um, but I do think if Trump runs, no one of significant runs against him. There is – it's just – I mean – and if, if they want to, they can, but he will crush them. If you look at the system, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, by the time they get to Super Tuesday, it will be over. Um, but if he doesn't run, I keep hearing people say he should play like this – elder state that's not trump he doesn't he's not the elder statesman that's not the role he wants to play he wants to be in charge and get things done or not in and i think he's going to do it he needs to be the guy who grabs the other person's microphone and goes excuse me excuse me no listen as opposed to the 
waiting to be respectful. Right. That's what people that's, like about he, he's not, And so he, there's not – I don't see a, a role where he says, hey, let me be the behind-the-scenes guy. That's not who Trump is. Yeah. Well, what about DeSantis? I think if Trump doesn't run, there's no question in my mind DeSantis is the immediate front runner. He's sort of the next version of Trump. He's He's younger. I think he's better with the media. He's better with the media. I think he's handled a lot of culture, cultural issues very, very well. Uh, we'll have to see his policy positions. I think, you know, one of the things that really sold me on just being like, I'm going to vote for Trump, school choice was big. I, I really am mm-hmm. a big fan of that. Um, ending the war in Afghanistan was big. Of course, we, Biden kind of ruined all that. But I would, I would honestly, just right now, based off a very preliminary view, I'd prefer DeSantis over Trump. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I'm not a fan of, of, of the character. You know, I understand why people are. But I will say, I suppose, if it is Trump, I'd probably vote for him again. Well, look, I mean, here's the reality. I mean, just from a political sense, if he runs, he's the nominee. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It, Maybe. It I think DeSantis is going to give him a, a fair running because... First DeSantis, of all, DeSantis, yeah. but I don't think, A, DeSantis runs against him, number one. Number two, again, if you look at the early states, and, and again, part of this comes down to how the game is played in terms of how do you accumulate the 1,500-plus delegates needed to be... The nominee, and right now the system and the grassroots and everything favors Trump. So if he runs, he is the nominee. I agree. And if Absolutely. he doesn't run, I think DeSantis is the presumed front runner. There's some others. Things happen. Barack Obama, you know, wasn't. I mean, he was a state senator four years out. Trump was still on TV. I mean, like, there's enough of the time that somebody can emerge. But I would say, looking at the field today, DeSantis is the presumed front runner if Trump doesn't run. Who would you prefer? Probably Trump, I'd imagine. I, I think, look, from a selfish standpoint, um, Trump, but I, I don't, I actually like DeSantis. I like how he's governed. I like how he pushes back on the media. I like how he, look, one of the things that I thought was so great is during COVID when he was getting all the flack at the beginning for how he's handling it, he stuck to his guns. He said this is the right thing to do and he didn't bow to public pressure and polls. And I, I like that. I'm so tired of watching someone pick their finger in the air and saying, hey, what's the right yeah. decision? I think DeSantis has core values. Uh, that I may not agree with every time, but I know he actually believes him and he means it and he'll fight for him. What if it's Trump DeSantis? Well, I can't imagine a scenario where DeSantis agrees to be the VP. Yeah. Uh, He's on track to be president. Right. And he also, two guys that are chief executives like that don't, I mean, you don't want to play second fiddle. Trump is always going to be the alpha dog. And so he needs somebody, um, who plays that role well. And after, and 2028, you know, DeSantis, Sure. Very well, could come in. We'll see. I mean, that's the end of the. But again, turning, if you think so. about it, every time that you try to game the system, politically speaking, and say, "Okay, well, in five years, I'll be," there, it doesn't work. I mean, you either run when you think you should run, or you don't. But yeah. uh, I just don't see a way that you could overcome Trump's political advantages in the in the system. People I, are saying Ron Paul, twenty twenty four, in the comment <laughs> section, and a lot of people are saying Brandon, twenty twenty four. I think Brandon would be a well. good running mate. Uh, yes, uh, Trump, Brandon, Trump, Brandon. But it's like literally not a person. It's just the sentiment people are voting for. Mm-hmm. I agree with it. Oh, well, just yeah. on that alone, I'll vote for it. If people know the meme. Uh, well, if you don't, I think most of the people who listen to this do get oh, it. Oh, definitely. definitely but I, got I, a shirt. Yeah, I, I do get a kick out of the fact. I mean, that goes back to the point that we were talking about the media. I always think it's funny when you show you expose the stuff. The idea that that reporter stood there. <laughs> and I mean, like, I was just like, it didn't rhyme. It's not like Biden rhymes with Brandon. I mean, right. like, how do you, how do you come up with that? But it just shows you how complicit these guys are that no matter what they said, they were just like, well, they can, they're congratulating you, Brandon. When I, when I went on your show, it was actually really funny because when you played the clip, you hear beep Joe Biden. 
beep, Joe. So it's like the bleeps. <laughs> right. And then I was just funny trying to hear it, and you guys are bleeping it, and it was so obvious that the bleeps are every, like, second, and this lady's like, let's go, Brandon. It was great. It was great. I, I mean, again, that goes back to my it's, – it's, it's, it's raining outside, and yet – you're being told it's sunny. It's like, how do you possibly get let's go Brandon out of F <laughs> Joe Biden? I mean, I, I'm sorry. I don't know if there's some kind of Latin etymology. etymology. You go that's, back in time. You're like, well, if you decline the verb. Do you have a – that's the flag you need, Luke. Let's go Brandon. I already ordered one. It's on its way. <laughs> and I already had a T-shirt, and it's the best seller on the store right now. Really? Yep. Yeah, nice. uh, let's go Brandon shirt. Uh, but ours is a little bit more explicit because it says let's go Brandon in big words, but it has uh, – The alternate definition? Uh, it, it has the alternate definition as its uh, <laughs> sh- shade, Yeah. as its shadow. So uh, – I will say, you know, as, as a segue off of this, the two things that are fascinating in politics to me right now, just in terms of someone who's – been studying this for a long time. Or one, when you look at these Trump rallies, you got a guy who's not running for office on like Saturday nights, jam packing the Alabama one, 40,000 people. I don't know what the attendance was in in Iowa um, and or Georgia, but tens of thousands of people who are spending their Saturday night going out and seeing a guy that's not running for office. That's number one. On the exact opposite, I'm watching these football games, rallies, etc., where people are yelling. F Joe Biden. I I mean, I've never seen either reaction in in, in modern history where you've got a group of people going out to support a non-candidate, in this case Trump, because they believe in him and the movement, and and people at like public events yelling – this political thing, political yeah. things, yeah. you know, in a huge stadium. And it's not like, you know, how sometimes you can hear a faint chant. I mean, this is something that's like <laughs> overtaking the entire yeah, football stadium. Uh, I got this image on Instagram. Uh, I tagged it. Let's go, Brandon. And the reason I did is because we all know what it means. We went, I, I went to a restaurant this past weekend and there were two signs in the window. The first says, dear valued customer, due to COVID-19, our f- food suppliers have sharply increased the price of our food. Regrettably, we are forced to raise our prices for the first time in seven years. Thank you for your patience and understanding as we face these difficult times. And the sign next to it says, now hiring. Huh. The funny thing is they put COVID-19 in red letters on their sign. And I'm like, it should read thanks to Joe Biden. And both signs should say, thanks to Joe Biden. These are his policies where in his presidency, it is Buttigieg, it is his appointees. This is one of the reasons Let's Go Let's Go Brandon is at public sporting events. I put Let's Go Brandon on this. I put it on Twitter. I got over a thousand retweets. People understand the problems. Maybe not everybody, but enough people are seeing this and they're recognizing. So I think Let's Go Brandon is the perfect phrase for these times because it allows you to convey an idea Wrapped in, you know, kind of a little, a little, a little nice, friendly package. Yeah, and it's clean. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a very dirty phrase. Let's go, Brandon. It's very like remarkable. a real, it's like a real life meme. Uh, but, but everyone knows exactly what you're saying. And you know what I feel bad for it. though, by the way? And I don't know if I should feel bad, but it's like people who are named Karen, you know, they're, they're, they're <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'm like, I mean, you wake up one day and you're like, how did I become a bad person? And now you're like, there's, there's a bunch of dudes named Brandon that are walking around like, Hey, life is good. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, Brandon. No, no Sean, I, I really, I'm dying to ask you a question. I hope that's okay. You well, know, thanks you know, for coming by tonight. Uh, <laughs> Catch you later. Now, now, as we know, press secretaries kind of sell stuff. Yeah. What was something that the administration came to you with trying to sell that you were like, oh, my God, no. Is there anything that was like, oh, crap, do I have to do this? Hmm. I know there's there's some well, there's people. A couple handbags at Ivanka. No, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know there's Can some people talking about. Can you squeeze in these handbags uh, to one of your answers? There's, there's some people talking about inauguration. There's some people talking about the Syria strike, um, about those comments that you made before. Well, I mean, there were things that we sold. I remember early on. Um, 
like the travel the, the the travel ban i think we we how we sold that was horrible i mean in terms of like we didn't have our act together we didn't have the full list of countries and the method I, so there were things that we tried to sell that frankly i just don't think we did well because we were new and we didn't have all of the our ducks lined up in a row um but there wasn't anything that was like, oh, my God, I can't do this. It was more like if we're going to do it, we've got to have everything lined up ready to go. And and that happened more often than not. I think one of the things that I was proud to have started and then I left is that after we kind of blew health care, I said, OK, we're, we're now – I mean I remember one day walking into the Roosevelt Room, Tom Price, Secretary of Health and Human Services at the time. I looked at him and said, OK, where are the, where are the groups on us? Like you know, they're, they're getting ready to do all this – repeal Obamacare and he's like well which groups and I'm like I don't know the AMA the doctors he's like yeah no no one's with us and I was like okay this is a problem so when we knew that tax reform is coming up next in the queue I literally was like we're having a meeting every day we're sitting down we're lining up our top folks and uh and we're gonna you know do this right yeah but uh, you know out of the gate look he was it was it was exciting and different and new but yeah. you know we definitely made a fair share because i can imagine it's definitely not an easy job and and for me personally i'd be like okay i gotta sell this um and and it'll be interesting you know to to understand the kind of psychology of what what happens behind the scenes because i, well, I, I, mean, I the, feel the, personally the, what, i'd be like oh man i don't want to sell this everybody or, you should yeah. well first of all this goes back to what we said a moment ago tim was bringing this up i mean you're a spokesperson so i mean no one's sitting there saying hey before you go out do you agree with this it's this is your job you know, it's your rep, your analogy about being a sales rep. It's you don't. I mean, maybe there's some products that you don't want to necessarily. That's what I'm kind of asking but, but for. That's not. I mean, I've had to say things over the course of all the people that I've represented that I don't necessarily agree with. But that's you either quit at some point or you suck it up. Here, here's here's one of the things I was bringing up earlier. I'll mention mm-hmm. this passively. One of the famous instances that you were criticized criticized for was Trump's inauguration. Crowd. I've heard that. The, the claims were the largest audience ever. You can sit here and say, oh, yeah, there are definitely things I didn't agree with and try and give a, at least a more honest view of what the job was like. And then the media is going to run. Sean Spicer admits to being a liar. Right. They'll, 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 they'll never go after Saki that way. No. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, look, I've said this from the beginning. We, it was a three-day weekend. Uh, we wake up after the president takes this historic, uh, you, you know, uh, gets inaugurated, this historic comeback campaign and wins. And – we wake up and this is what they're talking about. And so we're trying to cobble together basically a case that says this is stupid. Who cares? You know, we, we how many – like think about what we're doing right now, live streaming a show with tens of thousands of people, right? That didn't exist when Obama was president. So I was right. like, OK, we've got people that were live streaming things on Twitter and people that were – and so – That's the context they want to include. Right. So my point was how do I basically make the case that this is a silly argument – and a lot of people did. They were excited about President Trump. I know from my own family that there were security issues getting to the to the mall because of increased uh, issues and routes and all this stuff. And so I'm trying to make the case, and everyone's like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope." And, but it, this, is, this is a very important thing people need to understand in in, in any election. D.C. Overwhelmingly Democrat. Yeah. Democrat wins. People walk out their front door and they're standing there. Correct. Rural areas vote for a president. They're not flying 2,000 miles to make it to D.C. Some did. When it comes to voting, for instance, you know, and and I'll say this passively. I don't don't want to derail the conversation, but with like mail-in voting, why is it so powerful for Democrats? Because they have one apartment complex with a 1,000 voters in it. They can knock on all those doors in a day. A conservative has to go to rural areas and yeah. drive miles between houses in some instances. But also, I mean, yeah, or they go to a union hall where everybody's there. Say, fill it out right now. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have. I mean, it's just not the same. And it's it's so. 
So when I when I saw this, I remember seeing the story, and I, I didn't care about it. You know why? I'm like, oh, did he mean live streaming or something? I'm not going to get into an argument about a spokesperson upselling the president, right. even if it yeah. wasn't the case. Yeah. Well, and same thing with Saki. I, I, I want to make sure this is clear because now I'm getting all the leftists being like, oh, he's just chilling. No, I said the same thing of Saki. I don't blame Saki for not getting asked by journalists. But I, but I will just say this, just to be clear. I don't think we, I think we could have done a better job. And, and just so everyone understands, the president, I get back from the briefing room, the phone rings, the White House operator's like, the president's on the phone, and he said some things that cannot be repeated. Like, he That's wasn't what I wanted. Happy. He's like, what were you doing? And I thought, okay, hey, you want me to go out and, and explain to people that this is ridiculous, da da da. That's not what he wanted. He was pissed. We've That's got, what I wanted. That's I, what I was really interested in. And I do have to admit that the way that they treated you and the way that they're treating Saki, night and day, total difference. And it's just, uh, it's just absolutely crazy to see, uh, you know, how uh, the questions they asked you and the questions they ask her. It's, it's oh, crazy. My, my, one of my favorite memes is stop making me defend Trump. Mm-hmm. There's this comedian who did a video where he's like in the workplace and there's two guys saying something ridiculous about Trump and he hears it and he goes, guys, that, that's not true. Trump didn't do that. And they go, what are you? far right he's like no no i just there's something that wasn't true and so he's like every time he defends trump like why are you defending trump and he's like because you're wrong so there's a cheryl atkinson came on my show i don't know six months ago or something she mentioned this this book that had come out there's a professor at the university of houston he's a journalism professor and he makes clear first thing he says in the book is i voted for and supported bernie sanders so by no means do i support donald trump in any way but he goes through every single one of the media narratives that trump is accused of you know mm. this um good people on both sides this that what i mean all those things that trump has supposedly said that were and he says here's exactly the transcript of what he says here's the context in which he said it so you know there's and and here are all the and it's like this guy literally breaks down Every one of these things, it makes it clear I don't like him, but it's what you're saying to him, where they're like – he's like, I just want to be clear what the truth is about what he did say, not what CNN's headline was. Right. And, and and it's just amazing. I didn't realize some of this stuff. There are things that Trump said that I just assumed, OK, I assume that he didn't really mean that or whatever. Hmm. But then you go back and you read it and you go – he actually didn't say what the what the CNNs and the right. Washington Post of the world the very said. fine people hoax. Right. It's 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 amazing no. how you can have him say they should be condemned totally, completely omitted from from the record. any of the transcript. Right. Right. But I loved the fact of actually stopping and saying like and and you know not to make it personal, but there were so many of these things that happened to me. There's one that that became really famous where it's like Spicer hides in the bushes. There's no bushes to hide in. <laughs> I, I mean, like I don't mean to be a jerk, and so I'm arguing. With the Washington Post editor the day after that story comes out, right? And he goes, okay, all right, we're going to say that you were near bushes. And I'm like, I have a picture. <laughs> this is on ca- – everything that yes. happened was on camera. They so did- I, I finished a TV hit, and I walked over to where the media was. There's a row of hedges that you have to walk by. Like, it's – I mean, like, there's no – you know, like, and, and so the Washington Post is like, all right, we'll change it to you were near bushes. What does that have to do with anything except for an attempt to try to undermine and demean the president? It's the game they play. I once had a story written about me that was actually meant to be favorable. And I get a call from a fact checker. It was the New Yorker that did this. And it was this crazy story about me and my buddy, hackers and journalism. And so so the the fact checker goes, so it it says here in the story that you live in a closet. And I said, "Uh, no, I don't live in a closet. So you're denying it. But but, but no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. It's like a closet, right? And I was like, no, it's a full bedroom with a window. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, but like, you have to go through someone's apartment, like someone's room to get into it. And I said, 
Have you ever lived in New York? New York has something called railroad apartments. Have you ever seen those? Where you have a living room, bedroom, bedroom, bedroom. They're connected because of the way the buildings were built. And I said, this one isn't technically a railroad. When you walk in the living room, there is a room, but there's another room attached to it separate. And he goes, right, right, like, like a closet. <laughs> and I went, right, like a closet. And then they wrote, Tim Pool sleeps in a closet. Uh, <laughs> so annoying. But that's, it's again, right, how right. do we want it? They have to, they pick a narrative. My, my, my friend uh, made uh, spaghetti with white sauce. He took like Alfredo and olive oil with rosemary and garlic and whipped it up. Yummy. And the journalist is like, so you're eating sauceless spaghetti noodles. What? And he goes, well, I made a white sauce. I'm Italian. And they're like, yeah, yeah but like not marinara, like not, not like a red sauce. And he's like, yeah, but I made like an, like an Alfredo, like a white sauce. And like, yeah, you know what I mean? But like not, not tomato sauce. And he goes, right. No sauce. Well, you, you just give up at that point because you know, they're going to justify <laughs> yes, writing. You're right. Garbage. I suck. I mean, right, right, right. It's like, but they, they, and then they ended up writing this ridiculous story about us. But the funny thing is a guy from GQ saw it, believed it and was like, I want to do a feature profile on this. And then showed up and was like, none of it was true. Huh. <laughs> I'm like, yes. But, Here's my bedroom with my window and my bed. It's amazing, though, but once they write one thing like that, then it justifies every other reporter from using that as a fact as if it's yep. gospel, right? Because, yep. well, it was written once before, therefore it must be. And that's the problem. And, and you know, I, I mentioned this before, but there are literally two chapters in the book that go through the media and how complicit they are and what they do to cover up for this because it's not always what they write. It's what they don't write. Man, journalists – at least in the, in this beautiful idealized world where the fierce independent folks challenging the establishment, holding the, the, the powerful to account, huh. when in reality they're huh. literally just working for those yeah. people to sell products. By the way, I'm, I'm watching the comments and one of the guys says, <laughs> fact checkers. And I'm like, you want to talk about – like if you go to school – and you're in high school and you literally have no skills. The guidance counselor at one point comes up to you and says, like, have you thought about becoming a fact checker? <laughs> like, I think that's what happens because these folks literally, I, I, it, when I left the White House, I was had all these anecdotes. And, and at one point, Mike Pence, uh, had given this speech about how many people are out of work. And let's just say hypothetically, the numbers like a thousand people were out of work. And the Washington Post gave it four Pinocchios because it didn't lack the, it lacked the context that, well, a thousand people were out of work. The population had grown. Therefore, and I'm like, no, no. All he said was, this is how many people are out of work, yep. but they deemed it a hundred percent false because it lacked the context. And I'm like, that's, that's not how people talk. They, they, uh, that's that's how the game is played. They, they, my favorite is when Bernie Sanders and Trump both gave the exact same stat, something about inner city kids not right. having jobs. And PolitiFact said Bernie was mostly true and Trump was mostly false because what do either of those statements mean? Mostly true, mostly false. The, the point was the exact same. Trump said, you know, 51% are out of work. By, Bernie said the same thing. They said Trump was lying. Bernie wasn't. Well, again, you've got to. That's how it works. Let's go to Super Chats. Let's go. Let's read some of the audience questions. If you haven't already, smash that like button. Get your super chats in. We'll read as many as we can, but we, we'll, we'll try to focus on getting them some 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 good questions through. Uh, see what we can get. All right. Let's see. Luke Jasek says wanted to comment on your segment on Chappelle. If people are offended by that, I recommend the well-known family-friendly movie Blazing Saddles. Oh, yes. Great movie. Excellent. I bought one when they started banning all those movies. I was like, I want to have a copy of this. You know, just because. You never know. I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies growing up, but that was one my dad said I could watch. <laughs> it's important. It's All so right. This yeah. is a, we, we, got, we got a good question. 
Sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to try to interrupt. No, no, you're just picking it up, baby. Uh, no, I just read this one. Uh, Glenn Compton says, uh, for you, Sean, as someone who did the job, who is better, Sarah Huckabee Sanders or Kaylee McEnany? All right. Normally, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Sarah. And I'll tell you, I'm like, Sarah, right. she followed me. Um, I, I just think it's different. And I, I, that's no disrespect to Kaylee. I, I, but I also think that the longer that you had in Trump world to watch what the president liked and didn't like and what worked, you know, so that you could kind of sit back and say, like, okay, less of that, more of that. Um, so I think Sarah, at that point, we were going through Russia. I still had the Mueller report. It was the, the headwinds were a lot different. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am impressed with the, uh, the press secretaries that worked under Trump. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys, I think I did a pretty good job. I look at Jen Psaki and I think like she, she actually does a really good job in my opinion too, because her job, you know, running circles <sighs> around a press. That being said, it's like an amateur boxer who's in a match that's being thrown is going to look like they're doing pretty well versus people who actually know how right. to box. You know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, she can literally gonna... look back right now and say, Hey, I was press secretary and all the stories were great. <laughs> right. But but you guys were also dealing with insane people that couldn't stop talking about Russia. Like literally right. they were just obsessing about it with with barely anything there and then it all came out. Oh. So all that is, here's, my, here's my favorite anecdote just to, to make you understand. So the the White House press corps when I was there, you know – you you got a CNN contract not because you did good reporting but because you did something outrageous. So Brian Karam, who is the reporter for Playboy, yes, they have a White House mm-hmm. correspondent, uh, got a contract on CNN not because he broke some story or anything, because he got into a huge big tussle with Sarah during a briefing. So CNN signed him. Wow. <laughs> I, I mean, literally, that's how you got a contract was to be a jerk. That's right. In the briefing room and to jump up and down and to make yourself like a hyena, and so they reward him. With a table, a cable contract. That's, that tells you everything you need to know about how that briefing room works. We got a good super chat considering we were just talking about. Brandon McGregor says, all this let's go Brandon is giving me an existential crisis. <laughs> well, I think the cool there thing is go. that now he's got like shirts and banners and, yeah. you know, that, that like, you know, he can walk around with stuff that says yeah. let's go yeah. Brandon. There's a Canadian uh, government memo go- going around saying that the term let's go Brandon shouldn't be talked about by government officials, what? that it's deemed uh, illegal now. Wow. Yep. It's going to be racist by the end of this week, I guarantee Probably. Yeah, definitely. Tim Miner says, Tim, please explain to Sean the concept of a Michael Malice press secretary and how it will change everything. <laughs> Are you familiar with Michael Malice? I'm not. Uh, oh, we're big fans. He's, uh, he's great. He is one of the best Twitter trolls, but he's a smart guy. He wrote a book about North Korea. We've had him on a couple of times. He's going to be back here soon, actually. Oh, yeah. And he would just, you know, everyone's really excited that in the event, uh, I think, I think it would be if Dave Smith yep. gets the uh, libertarian uh, candidacy and he's running. He'll appoint Michael Malice, who is this anarchist. I, I, is Michael New Right? Does he consider himself New Right? I think so, because he wrote that book about it. Yeah, he wrote a book called The New Right, and he explains what it means. But he would just take the media to task in a way people have never seen before. Trolling them, playing games, mocking them. Huh. Everyone's very right. excited so about I the prospect. follow him, is what you're saying. Yes. Oh, definitely. I mean, yes. we're huge fans of Michael. Yeah, okay. he's going to be here soon. Uh, really excited. That'd be fun. But yeah, yeah, it's just... It would be one of the greatest media smack, smackdowns. The, the journalists would stop showing up. Yes, it would. would. I, we're just very confident. And I think it's because, you know, for, say, like you or Sarah or, or, or Kaylee, you, you take the job seriously. You're working. You're going to answer questions. I feel like Michael would be like, <laughs> yes, like, the room is mine. And Dave Smith is going to be like, thank you, Michael. Please do more. Like, it would be, it'd be very much so the goal of, 
exposing the media, their manipulations, the cathedral, and less about like speaking. But how cool would it be to stand up there and say, you know, so and so? I mean, I did a story today at the end of my show where I talked about the fact that there's this huge controversy. I don't even know that's huge, but there's a controversy about Hooters and these new uniforms they have. And you know, back in 1985, CNN's host Jake Tapper was the Hooters spokesman (laughs) and made all these comments. And it's just like, you know, I'd love to be able to stand up there and be like, well. Did you have that same view when you were representing Hooters? <laughs> like, She's so funny. Call him out. That, I think that's why Kaylee did a great job. She had that big book. Oh, yeah. And She'd it was just like, like boom. I think that what would have been better for Kaylee is if she just stopped and been like, you really want me to do this? <laughs> yeah. Give me three seconds. So you can either sit back down, say you're sorry. I'm going to go there. Tab four. I feel like that's kind of like what Michael would do. Okay. You know, he's the kind of guy who's going to be like, ooh, Prepare. he's going to pull up a book oh, and he's going to yeah. read. All right. Dilly Bod says... There are some things Tim and Luke say I agree with, but there are things I don't. I know I'm not a famous internet person, but I would like to talk with them, pick their brains a bit. We have an event this Saturday in the Harper's Ferry area. Uh, it's mostly sold out, but we are going to be auctioning off 10 tickets. So it's five slots. Each slot is two tickets. And that means if you bid and you're in the top five, then you will you know, win. So we're trying to set that up right now. Hopefully we can get it to work properly. And then we're also going to be auctioning off. Look, if you watch the Cast Castle vlog, you'll see all the jokes, but I'll keep it straight for everybody here. We're basically auctioning off like a, a come visit the the uh, facility. So we're we're setting up like an, a bidding system for like cool merch and events uh, on the website soon. So perhaps there is an opportunity for uh, individuals to come and hang out at the at the space. We're definitely trying to figure out a way to balance between auctioning and getting a ticket. Because I don't like the idea of like, oh, if you're rich enough, you can just come hang out. This kind of sucks. At the same time, if we put up like, hey, one ticket available to come hang out, it would instantly be gone. And people would be like, yo, like don't even have a chance to even try to get one. So we're working it out, trying to figure out how we can make it work. Um, we may actually start doing big live events. We, we had a conversation, a business meeting today about actually doing live events around the country. Friday nights, uh, presumably, because that's when it's easier for me to travel, leave in the middle of the day, fly somewhere, do the live event, get to stay and leave, you know, head back on Saturday or Sunday. So we're we're working things out and hopefully we'll be able to get around the country and do some events. All right. Let's see what we got here. John R. says, Tim, you should attach a small shelf to the wall where Sean is sitting. So he or any other guest selling a book can showcase it. And that is a brilliant idea. That is a killer idea. I am so happy to hear this. Now, of course, you're going to do it after I leave. (laughs) We are, yeah. Yeah, How about this? It's the shelf. There you go. Perfect. Just set on your shoulder. Yeah. You yeah. get a sketching of it. That's a yes. good idea. That's a really yeah. good idea. I love that. See idea. our audience. Yeah. John, I, see, this clever. is this is this is entrepreneurship. This is these are the kind of feedback that we need. But mm-hmm. yeah, more importantly, if you can go out and buy it, that's that That'd will be cool help too. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's radical nation. Radical nation. Mm-hmm. Jeb FJB Reed says, if you steal nine hundred dollars of merchandise, just don't put it in the bank. $600 plus deposit gets you investigated by that's the IRS. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that, Great by point. the way, is not be, I, that's one of those scary things that, God forbid, that ever becomes law. Yeah. I think we're gonna, you're never gonna get it undone. Yep. And I think that that scares me. I mean, just the, the transactions that we make back and forth these days between individuals. My understanding is what they'll do is they'll track the in, the total income and total outgoing, but not the individual. But so basically, here's what I think. Why, I, I don't want to have to worry. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know right. what I'm saying? You're like, at some point, once government's in, it doesn't go bye-bye. Yeah. I mean, it right. gets worse. Yeah. It's a surveillance bill that will know everything you're right. doing. What wasn't, was it Dave Smith who said there's nothing more temp, nothing more permanent than a temporary government yeah. program? Yeah, it's a version of an old quote, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think it was uh, Tom Clancy who said, uh, what the government is good at is collecting taxes, taking away your freedoms, and killing people. It's not <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> it's not good at much else. <laughs> Pretty much. We got a good one here. Um, Wayne... Last uh, first name. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me start over. Mr. Kerr, first oh. name Wayne, says it looks like the Biden <laughs> picture is sniffing Lydia. Let, it does. Let's go, Brandon. That's the whole point. Look at that. Oh. I love it. <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> we we originally were like we needed a piece of art to cover the panels, like the, the the switches and the thermostat. And so I was like, let's do a creepy Biden. And then Ian was like, no. I was like, I don't want Joe <laughs> Biden behind me, Tim. <laughs> no, you, cool you, you you just went no, no, nope. <laughs> no, uh, hard stop. Nope. All right, let's see what we got. Not this time. Shanjack says there are no blue states, only blue cities in strategically advantaged districts. Interesting. Yep. And there are even uh, blue areas in red states, too, which, mm-hmm. is, which is interesting. Jason Diaz says, Sean, what was the deal with that brown suit? That was awesome. Brown suit. Did you wear a brown suit? I don't know. I don't think I, I had. Think I don't think did. I did. I barely remember that. Huh? I barely remember that. It was a long time. Is this time like ago. the blue dress thing? I, I mean, I, I think I've had one in the past, but I don't think I ever wore one. Oh, is he talking about the first day? That was gray. If that's what he's talking about. Day one was gray. It wasn't brown. It was gray. No, there is no brown. Okay. Uh, All right. Not that I'm – I'm not, yeah. just so we're clear, I'm, I'm not anti-brown. I'm a, I, I believe in diversity of suits. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. I'm a more inclusion, but I do not – I don't – I'd not – currently own a brown suit nor did i wear one at the is that the one with the pinstripes that is with the light blue background kind of gives it a brownish tint. i can see oh, it okay. yeah and by the yeah right, i'm just gonna let that go all right <laughs> unvaccinated soldier says my name is brandon and i've never felt so much support from yes. my fellow countrymen yes. do you think there's something to it should i pursue a political position yes i dude yes like now's the time for all brandons to try and get into politics because yes. like brandon that's me mean your way plus in. everybody's already made your merch for you yeah. that's right right you can change your name legally first name let's middle name go last name brandon ah, lg yeah. brandon yeah i like it all right d says sean's time was understated but highly impactful my question did he ever get a manicured question or see trump slash executive branch counsel with press before a speech so say the second part again uh i, I guess the gist of it is were you ever given like were you ever given a question in advance oh or god <laughs> did you did you guys ever work with the press yeah. before a speech oh yeah so there were times – so like let's say the president was doing a, a, a press conference or whatever. We would find out who was there that day because obviously a lot of the, the networks switch out. You know, They have two or three people there. And so we would kind of pulse them and say, hey, are you interested? And they'll come to us. It works both ways. They'll say, hey, I'd really like a question today. OK, well, what are you interested in asking? And you'd say, oh, well, I want to ask about how he's doing with, with revising NAFTA. I want to talk to him about you know, the wall, whatever it is. And so they wouldn't ever give it to us, but we would know the subject or we would say, gosh, if you're – we really want to talk about you know, trade with – we had one time when the prime minister of Canada was there and we said, you know, if, there's, if you're interested in asking something about uh, the trade and the tariffs or you know, renegotiating NAFTA, we'd love to. And they, OK, great. But you would never, ever know what the question was going to be. And I'd imagine too with someone like Jim Acosta, you knew he was always just throwing pies. Yeah, I mean – Well, just – to answer that question, that was never on our list. Mm. But the president, after the first couple of times, was like, "Don't bother. Like, I'm just going to go with who I want." And it was pretty obvious that he didn't really he, he was he could handle it. Did you know Donald before he like? How did you get the job? So he had been a donor. I was at the RNC for six years, and I'd met him probably twice, three times. 
uh, over the court prior to him announcing the run. And then when he ran, um, I, I one of the things that I had done is oversaw the debate process. Uh, it was the first time in history that a party had actually taken an assertive role in the debate process, which is insane that it had never happened. But I was like, this is crazy. We're having liberal journalists decide the questions for grassroots conservative voters. So I took it over and said, this is how it's going to be run. And Trump was obviously the front runner. So he started calling me from time to time saying, hey, what about this? What's happening here? And we developed a great relationship. I had always viewed the party, like I say, as the leak. Like my job was to make sure the grassroots voters decided who our nominee was. Uh, and then whoever that became, we worked as hard as we could. And I think there was a lot of people who um, – Way a resented the, my view because they said, well, you know, this guy can't win or this person can't win. And, and my view was that's not my role. That's not the party's role. That's the voter's role. And I think Trump appreciated that. And so we kind of started to grow closer and closer because I was one of the guys that would be willing to go up to Trump Tower, help with events, help craft messaging. And frankly, after he won, there wasn't a lot of people who had been in that position that, that had been willing. There was actually a front page style section, uh, story on me in the Washington Post said the outsider's insider. Um, and mm. it was just a bunch of people crapping on me saying, I can't believe you're throwing away your career on this guy. He's never going to win. And and I think Trump appreciated the fact that, you know, like I said, my view was he was the nominee. My job was to work as hard as I could for him, but a lot of people wouldn't come near him. And so when, when he won, I think he recognized the fact that, you know, here's a guy who was loyal to me, that worked hard, that frankly had experience and you know, you offered me the job on December 22nd. All right. Connor Chonier, hope I'm pronouncing that right, says, I have family who watches MSNBC all day. How do I convince them what's happening and what Biden is doing? Turn the channel to the Newsmax and tell them <laughs> yeah. that they've rebranded. You know, that's the crazy thing, though. They'll be told that they believe Newsmax is fringe, crazy, you know. Yeah. It, it's but test them. Tell them turn in. I'm on every night at six. Tell them to tune into my show once, and say, "Tell me something that's crazy." Or I mean, I think every night we have discussions about what's in the news. We have people on it to analyze it, and that's it. But we get branded in a way that's that's frankly, as I said, I had a, I got a, someone asked me the other day. He said, "What do you guys think about how you cover the election?" I said, "I'm proud of it." They said, "Well." I said, "Give me an example. What? What? Tell me." I so we had people on our network that had dissenting opinions that talked about the fact that they thought that you know Trump won this. I said, "Great, that's our job is to allow people to come on, give their point of view, be able to back it up." And okay, but I think they're so used to people on MSNBC and CNN saying this is it. There's no dissenting opinion. Believe this. Suck it up. Take it. And um, and so I would argue, tell somebody who's just an MSNBC watcher. Tune in one night at 6 o'clock. Tell me what you think. And if you have a problem, I, I'd like to hear what it is. I mean, meaning them. Because I think that's the problem is that MSNBC and CNN basically brainwash people into believing that anything but them is blasphemy. All right. I saw the super chat. I didn't know if I was going to read it, but I'm going to read it anyway because um, it's, it's it's actually kind of sad. Patrick Rose uh, is asking me about somebody but using the uh, person's troll online name. I'm going to use the person's real name. Hey, Tim, have you talked to Jamie lately? Uh, my understanding is that this individual was a, a big troll on the internet. A friend of mine committed suicide. And there's a lot of things. I think I may have talked a little bit about it before. I have some opinions on it, but I probably don't want to say too much. But this was a, a, a notable hacker trans woman. And uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. I think 
just to keep it short and brief for the person asking, uh, it probably because I'm in a, a documentary called Hacker Wars and I'm, you know, I was very obviously friends with a lot of these people. I think the, the culture war causes a lot of people very serious distress, especially, especially in the LGBTQ community. If you take a look at someone like, you know, Blair White, for instance, who's a trans woman, but conservative Trump supporter, you can see the vitriol, the hate. I, I think some people can't handle it. So it's a, a sad story, and uh, I thought I decided to read it because uh, I'm real. I was really sad to find out when I did what happened to Jamie. It's just, it's it's brutal, man. It's really sad. But let's uh let's you know just try and move on and keep talking about other stuff, I suppose. All right, riding with Ryan says, love the show. Ian is the best. Really need help. Down on luck and need help. Oh, and then posting cash app. Sorry, I'm not going to read that one. But let's read a little bit more. Blue C says, Tim, it is not a driver shortage. There is a hard labor dock worker load unload problem. Drivers cannot do the job of these dock workers and drive too. Really interesting. Wow. All right. Marvin Carlson says the trillion dollar coin was floated during the Obama administration. There's actually a webcomic where Obama says like, let's do it. Let's, let's make two single trillion dollar coins. And then after they mint them and they open the case, there's one missing and they're like, where did it go? And then Joe Biden's at a strip club. And he's got the coin and he's like, more wings. And he oh, flips gosh. the coin and they're like, Mr. Vice President, we can't break change for a, tr-. he was like, yeah, they're like, we can't make change for a trillion dollar coin. He's like, then just bring even more wings or whatever. Amazing. Yeah. Very good. A lot of wings. Yep. What? Into the Fray podcast says Fauci needs to go on Rogan. That would be me. Oh, that's never. not yeah. gonna, I, mean, <laughs> yes. I think if, if, Ro- I mean, that, that could be a massive fundraiser. Yeah, it just being like, watch this thing happen. But but there's no way he does, he avoids anything controversial right. or any kind of criticism or critique. Do you see him when Rand Paul was questioning him? And it was and awesome. He's like shaking his face gets so red. Yeah, he yeah, can't he was, stand any no. dissent, and he loves to have pictures of himself. Oh gosh, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so cringe. Do you think like you know how sometimes you see that that iconic photo like in in a political sense, like a historical sense, and there's this figure looking up at like a picture of Churchill and you know they're always thinking what would do you think Fauci looks at Fauci and goes what would Fauci do <laughs> yes he definitely does what, what would, would I do how many masks would I wear <laughs> maybe I should wear two masks <laughs> alright dragon lady says gas here jumped 14 cents overnight oh. we make that. it a, we make a pan of wings that went from twenty four ninety nine to thirty four ninety nine. five Jeez. count chicken tender six ninety nine to seven ninety nine. making me hungry that's yeah. oh yeah sounds good that's <laughs> when we can actually get the stock in which is completely unreliable. Yep. Inflation is so wonderful. Yeah, we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere and gas went up like 20 cents in a week. It's yeah. crazy. But we talked about this earlier. Luke was, uh, this is, this is a tax yeah. on middle and low income mm-hmm. people. This is why, you know, when they can't afford stuff, that 20 cents a gallon, think about it. You got a 10 gallon keg. That's a couple bucks. You do that a couple of weeks if you're driving, I mean, a couple times a week. It makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. Wages are not going up. Prices are going up. Yeah. But it's, but don't worry. We're, Everything the Biden administration is doing is, is a huge success, according to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. As long as you plug your ears and close your eyes, you can right. pretend to be happy. Hey, hey, cartel members in the Taliban haven't been happier. That's right. right. <laughs> Target demographic. Joe Biden's approval rating is through the roof among MS-13 and the Taliban. Right. Yep. <laughs> all right. Hit. Jimmy King says, Tim and crew, thank you for all you do. all you do. Have you seen or looked up what is going on between the ATF and the rare breed firearms and their FRT-15 trigger? 
The case is huge for the Second Amendment and does not have much coverage from larger YouTube channels. Do you know about that, Luke? Uh, I've been hearing a lot about it. We should have Pew 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 or Phoenix on Phoenix Arms on to talk about this issue. Definitely. There's been a We're lot of interesting to. developments yeah. uh, about 3D printing and firearms, and I would love to delve into that topic more. It's And, and then uh, we'll go to the range. That'll be fun. That would be great vlog material. Now that we have Fridamistan, we bought about 50 acres. We're going to set up our own range, and it'll be Good a lot stuff. of fun. Yeah. I th- we theoretically could do a thousand yard range, but I don't. I, I don't think we have enough for it. So, just not enough. But we'll ha- we'll have a range. My heart's broken. <laughs> All right, Derna eighteen oh four says the one percent is an incorrect framing for the scale of the class problem in the U S. Thirty one percent of households make more than a hundred thousand. Wokeness is just a what is this? Shibboleth for uh, ossifying the class structure. Shibboleth, interesting word. Professors are knights and CEOs are dukes. Serfdom is already upon us. Yep. That is true. Chris Pavoto says Cast Castle is prompted about culture building. Why not collect ballots from members and crew? Have Wilt come by and explain each section being proposed and what what are those ramifications? Do you mean Will? This way, it's new voters understanding about ballots versus results. Interesting. That's a good idea. I like that. Lloyd Nace says, question for Tim or Sean. Trump runs. I will definitely be voting for him. But what's to say that the media, big tech, Soros, will not do anything and everything to stop him? I would rather see DeSantis run. Yeah, they will run. I mean, they will do that. They will do everything. And frankly, if it's DeSantis, they'll do the same. I, I mean, that's what I we're fe- up against. I feel like DeSantis would navigate it better. Plus, Trump's – how old is he? He's 74? Mm-hmm. Uh, he might be 75 now. Yeah, so he's how, up He's going to be old if yeah. he does yeah. run again. I don't – but – so Joe Biden, seventy-eight. Yeah, I know, but that's yeah. not good. I got to be out. honest. I think a, I think an eighty-year-old Trump will be ten times as spry as a seventy-seven-year-old Joe Biden. True, still up there. I try, I, look, I I had to keep up with the guy for a while. It just it does. I mean, he's up early. He stays up late. I'm not worried about that. I mean, the question is just I I can't believe that you'd want to walk back into the frying pan. Uh, but that's a decision that he's going to make. Yeah, he's in the frying pan. I mean, he's doing the rallies. I, that's different. I mean, I think that that there's a sense of going out there, uh, being with people who who are out there to who enjoy you, who want to express their support for you, and as opposed to then waking yeah. up the next day. And I heard it. he loves the rallies. He oh, feeds, he loves. Them. He feeds off of them. But what I mean is, he's in the frying pan right now. They just haven't turned the heat on yet. Yeah, so oh, like, fair com- enough. Coming fair out, enough. coming right. in the public, doing his rallies. It's very obvious people expect him to run. He doesn't even have a Twitter account. That's the other. That's thing. crazy. Yeah. So that's how, helped him. I think. How is he, I think that's helped him. I don't know. I do. I think so. Because you can't criticize. I mean, there's times when he probably would have weighed in something, and then all of the left would have gone berserk. Right. And now, yep, you can't. I, 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 you know, I don't have a lot of, you know, I criticize him sometimes, but he would be hilarious right now. That's and, true. And, and the, true. the country we needs need that. that. I tell you that the statement <laughs> the other day oh, no. about about Hunter and saying, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about taking up painting myself. <laughs> I thought that was, that was so classic. Trump. <laughs> Like we need that on Twitter. Yeah, you do. All right, let's see what we got here. Grizzlab says, "Hey Tim, Ian, and Luke, what's the best and trustworthy Bitcoin wallet website? Do you recommend?" Well, first, let me just say, guys, we don't give financial advice. However, Ian, what what is your favorite Bitcoin website? Well, I usually buy it through Coinbase and then transfer it to a MetaMask wallet. If I do, but that's Ethereum, and I do it in Ethereum. Mm. Yes. Well, there's like Exodus. There's um, what's the other one that's pretty good? I, I forgot the name of um, Edge. Edge is pretty good. Uh, Exodus. 
those are the ones that uh, are. And you are can also, okay. I also have a Nano. What is it? A Nano Ledger X, which I you can hold the crypto offline in cold storage. That's the probably the most secure way to hold it, but it's harder to trade. You, Tim. Um, my I, I I like a just Coinbase and Gemini, but there's a there's a, a one thing I, I I will always say is that if you're holding your crypto on an exchange, you don't actually have any crypto. Yes. That's so, but one. but no advice to anybody. I'm not telling you to do anything or buy anything. Are you in crypto? Um, I'm pretty much just still in silver dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan B. Anthony's. Heck yeah. I mean, no, I, I, this is, no, <laughs> one I have year, like a one, coin collection. <laughs> one year ago, Bitcoin was what, like 9,000? 61 like right now? Oh my God. Excellent yep. investment. And you know, the funny thing is, it happens every, you know, few years and everyone says the exact same thing. I, so I remember. It's too late. Yeah. yeah. Back, so back in like 20, 2011, I almost bought Bitcoin at 70 cents. I didn't ah. do it. <laughs> yeah, I would have bought thousands. Nice. And my friend talked me out of it. And then as time goes on, it's like five bucks. Are and you I'm still like, friends? Oh, I should Yeah, yeah right. friends is Actually, not really. I haven't talked to him in years. But yeah, he's a cool dude. I don't, you know, we, we, we just slowly stopped hanging yeah. out. But uh, then it's five bucks. And I'm like, no, if only. Mm-hmm. And it's 20 bucks. Ah, geez, no. if only. Then it's 100. Oh, man, I can't believe it. And then finally, when it was like at a thousand bucks, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to buy some. <laughs> And now it's at 61. I'm like, okay, you know, well, so uh, I think the prediction right now is that um, in the next two months, it should hit 230. So Max Kaiser called this. I don't know if it will happen. Maybe it won't. But when you look at the the, the trend waves for Bitcoin, every four years, there are similar waves. And and it has a lot to do with the the code of Bitcoin and how uh, the, the halving occurs and things like that. I don't know exactly what is, is supposed to occur now, but considering the crisis and people are looking for hedges and outs and just we're in it, we're, like the trend of Bitcoin is to go in these big waves. A lot of people are speculating Bitcoin will hit 230. That being said, I'm not giving anybody, anybody advice. I am not buying any right now. So I'm not going to make it seem like I'm saying it's going to go up and then I'm going to go rush and buy. I'm not. So um, I've got, you know, crypto. I'll do like small increments here and there on a regular basis, you know, sometimes, but I'm not going to like unload into crypto thinking it's going to go up right now. But a lot of people are speculating. I don't know what you guys think it'll, people are predicting like 200 something by the end of the year. It's always going up. That's the thing. It goes down. I mean, I wouldn't do any short term stuff there. Again, not financial advice, but Max Kaiser was telling me when it was still worth, I think about a dollar and I told him to screw off. No, I know. Uh, and well, I didn't I, listen to him. So I'm not the one uh, to give advice. I've been here. thinking like if, uh, the just currency. Think about that. Just, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'll go think about this. If you just said, you know what, just to humor you, I'm going to buy one. You'd be very <laughs> happy. Like 200 grand. Or no. Well, here's, here's what happened though. When, when Max was telling, you know, me around the similar time he was telling Luke. It wasn't easy. It was complicated. It was, oh, it, it? It, it was, was a lot so harder. It was a lot harder to buy. And so I ended up having a small amount because like people donated to my address. And then I remember being like, I can't even deal with this. Hey, Luke, you want to buy it? <laughs> and you said, I don't, uh, Luke, you don't even, you wouldn't need to get into all this stuff. Wait, wait, uh, I just, did you say, yeah, Luke, Luke was like, I was telling Tim, I like, you need to get in this because Max told me. And I'm like, I didn't I listen to him. An I was like telling Tim. He told me I'd regret it. And I was like, I don't care, dude. I was like, dude, I don't want to. I felt bad. I was like, I don't want to do this, man. I'm like, this did is going to go up. He's not? like, no, no. I'm like, I did. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what I was thinking is yeah. that if, okay, so Bitcoin right now can get you like 30,000 loaves of bread. And if the if the American dollar inflates by 100 times, then it, it'll be able to get you, I don't know, what, 3 million loaves of bread. Bitcoin. No, 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 no. Bitcoin. No, no. Something no. like that. If the American dollar inflates, the cost of bread skyrockets, 
you'll still be able to buy the same amount of bread with the Bitcoin. It's just that you'll if you have U.S. dollar, well, it, the, let, let, the, let's doll, the the um the cost of bread is not directly correlated to the inflation of the dollar. So okay, I see what paying, you mean though. I see what you mean. It's not a direct representative. Paying but, somebody to make the bread. So is cost imagine more that they start inflating the the U.S. dollar. The the Bitcoin is going to be able to buy you more and more bread. No, ideally, that's not true. Because the Bitcoin is going to be maintaining gaining value also. That's that's not necessarily true. It's a little bit true. What would happen is. If somebody is being paid in U.S. dollars to make bread and then the, the dollar inflates, they're going to need more money to buy the bread themselves. What make what I wonder is, is it going to get to a point where the people that make the bread are like, what's worth more, bread or money? Let well, me, bread. Let, so give me – I want – one Bitcoin is going to get you one loaf of bread now. Let me put it this way. Uh, in November when – last year when it was at like 11 or whatever and I was like, oh, OK. You know, you should buy some Bitcoin. Bitcoin ended up going up to like 60K. Funny enough, wood, lumber went up the same rates. Yep. So even if you had, even if you bought the Bitcoin, you could still buy the same amount of wood with it. If you had US dollars, you couldn't buy wood anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it just crossed my mind that maybe at some point the people that own the resources are going to dictate the, the value of the Bitcoin, not the US dollar. I think mostly what will happen is Bitcoin will be able to, it is going to go up simply by, by its deflationary nature. It will become worth more as more people start using it, but it's a very, very complicated issue. But how about this? If you haven't already, go to TimCast.com, subscribe, become a member. We're going to have a members-only segment coming up at about 11 or so p.m. is when we publish it. And uh, you can like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. Just search for it. And you can follow me personally at TimCast on, you know, basically every platform. Sean, it's been a blast. Thank you uh, guys for having me. You want to shout out your book? Yeah, and Radical media? Nation. I go to Amazon, Newsmax.com slash 23. Uh, but I, the one thing I love about this is the first comprehensive look at the people and the policies in the Biden administration. If you want to understand who's running this government and what they're trying to do, it's in there. And the last thing that I love about the book is that it's not just explaining. The last chapter, chapter 20, is actually a conservative agenda checklist. Cool. So if you want to get more involved, if you want to know how to fight back, if you want to know organizations that will help pay your legal bills if you get into trouble for fighting against critical race theory – Literally, my thought was, if you're going to tell everyone everything that's wrong, you got to tell them what they can do to make things better. Absolutely. And that's the thing that I loved about it is it was like, it's not just going to tell you all the problems, but it's going to tell you how to fight back, how to get your kids involved in organizations that will put them on the right track. And, you know, like I said, if you want to run for office, if you need to get read up on some of these economic issues that are important, because here's the thing. Every one of these issues, we have the facts on our side. And it's as the holidays come up and you're going to be sitting there at Thanksgiving with the crazy uncle, the crazy aunt who talks about immigration or critical race theory and tells you, oh, it doesn't – like Terry McAuliffe here in Virginia. It doesn't exist. <sighs> right. There's a whole section in there, chapter 16, about critical race theory, its origins, what it intends to do, the goals of it. You need to be able to fight back with the facts. The book has it all in there. Right on. So thank you guys. You, yeah, have, you yeah. have social media? At Sean Spicer on Twitter, at Sean M. Spicer on Instagram. At Sean Spicer on YouTube, and um, apparently Ian's making me get. Are you getting a mind? That's right. Yeah. Mines. Right on. Mines and storable food and crystals, and yeah, uh, we're I, gonna we're gonna load <laughs> yeah, you up. Oh, yeah, we got leave spirulina here. before the show that's, started. That's right. We got a, we got a lot of different. I've spent like a couple hundred bucks with all the ideas, <laughs> yes, ordering things. So <laughs> thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be out yeah. here. Yeah, we got way more stuff to talk about. But uh, in today's video on Luke Uncensored, I gave some very interesting prepper tips, and if you're interested in that, you can check it out on LukeUncensored.com. I have a lot of fun on that platform, and I hope to see some of you there. Thanks yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you guys are here. Thanks, Luke. And by great shirt, by the way. I love it. 
Uh, Sean, thanks again for you coming, mean, man. And you. Jessica, thanks for the art. It's beautiful yeah, on the back it's wall. Amazing. And the guy that sent me this, I'm going to get your name and, and shout you out because I love this, cool. this crazy art behind me. And I'm Ian Crossan. See you later. This has been a super fun conversation. It's not every day we get to talk to somebody who worked with the Trump administration. Uh, I'm a little creeped out by this new painting that Jessica did for us, but it is wonderful and I appreciate it. It just looks like Joe Biden is sniffing me, which is exactly what I've always wanted. You guys are more than welcome to follow me on Twitter at Sarah Patch Lids. That's such an awesome painting of yeah, Joe Biden. I love so it. So creepy. The landscape, <laughs> the landscape behind Ian is just beautiful. What is it like charcoal art or something? Yeah, it's going to yeah, come yeah, alive. Beautiful. Charcoal. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, so go to timcast.com, be a member. I really want to talk to you about, you know, your time in the White House and, yep. and other stuff like that. So, uh, for everybody, we'll have a segment up. We record it now, but then we just, we publish it around 11. So thanks for hanging out. We'll see y'all there. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.